Welcome everyone to episode 12 of Real Space Raiders. This is Paulie, a.k.a. Sky Serpent. I'm joined by gorgeous George. Hi everyone. And Dark Technodon. Hey everyone, how you doing? In today's episode, we have a whole host of topics. We are going to be talking about hobby and raids. We're going to talk about the Necron and Marines threat. We're going to go through my recent Real Space Raid at 5th Confrontation. And we are going to go through question and answers from our listeners. Before we go into all of that, we have some news for you. If you saw our Facebook post earlier, you would have seen that we took advantage of the Amazon Prime Day and bought ourselves some fancy new mics. So we've had a lot of feedback recently about some of our audio, having some issues, scratchy noises, sometimes not being able to hear George at the right volume. So we have some really fancy mics coming and we really hope it betters the quality of the podcast for you all. The other news is that Joe is no longer a full-time Archon. Um, as you may know, he is already part of the Lookout Sir podcast, but also he took a massive role as part of Vanguard Tactics alongside Stephen Box, and he does a lot of work with them. Um, they put out some really high-quality content, their YouTube videos, uh, they have a scholarship program, and they do podcasts as well. Um, and Joe is probably a bit too busy to be on sort of free podcasts right now. So he will be returning as a guest now and then, but you won't hear his lovely voice in our regular episodes. Also to announce that the Champions of Comora competition, which was announced a few episodes ago, will be going ahead very soon. So you can have another opportunity to win a set of Real Space Raiders objective markers. Moving into hobby and raids, Dark Techno Dom, what have you been up to? Oh, less hobby, more raids, I think, this time. Um, I finally spent, I think, the, the, yeah, so quick hobby. So um, I did, I think it was about three or four hours of just outlining every single panel on all my Venoms and my Raiders and Ravagers and Reapers um, this week. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds long. It took forever, honestly. I I started being like, oh, this would be easy. It's just like outlining, so it'll literally just be a few seconds uh, per panel. But then I kept like screwing it up and having to like like fix things. And if I wasn't leaning properly, I get get like a shake. And yeah, that was a bit frustrating. But um, I've done I've done it now. So thankfully, that's over and done with. But then as soon as I did I did it, I went on um instagram just to check out what was what people were talking about and so someone that i follow um posted a picture of theirs that they'd just done and they'd done the outline and then also put little white highlights so it really makes it pop so now now next week i'm gonna have to go and put little white highlights on top of all of this to make it even like poppier so yeah that was that uh that was, <laughs> yeah wasn't the funnest time but i'm pleased i've done it so yeah, I went to I went to my mate Lewis's to to play a game, and it was very very interesting. Totally completely different to what I what I'm what it, what playing Necrons is usually like. Like they are crazy resilient in how they uh, how they play their game now. Um, so that was it was super um, eye opening. Um, because we're gonna go more in Space Marines and Necrons. Uh, later in the episode, I'll go through um, like a bit more about 
um, how my experience was facing Necrons because uh, it was uh, seriously interesting and what I thought was a uh, like a top um, Jukari list in my eyes and how how I play it um, I I seriously struggled and it was like it was totally different to what my Thursday game was against Blood Angels and I know Blood Angels got a bit of a nerf in uh, with the new release how they can't get some of the or they're losing some of their old stuff, uh, which is a shame because obviously you Blood Angels players, if, if any of you are Blood, Blood Angels players, um, you'll you'll obviously be used to playing a certain play style. And with all the new stuff, you kind of have to take a step back and uh, play it totally different. So um, yeah, on uh, so I've, I've, I've played the new Space Marines, I've played the new Necrons, and the changes in the new Space Marines, it's good. It's really good. Uh, but for both Space Marines and everyone else. Um, so even though they're strong, um, everyone, a lot of people are like kicking and screaming that, oh, they lost all their toys. Um, the only reason why you've lost your toys is because you're the meta chasing. So <laughs> the stuff that, that was broken that you bought, yeah, that, that's gone because it was broken, so you bought it. And that's kind of like the Games Workshop Um mentality is they bring out all these awesome models with like these cool rules then they kind of um wait to kind of see um see see if all the tournament players like think about it and then they'll find like a, a special combo um like like with the double shooting aggressors rest in peace um and <laughs> rest in peace <laughs> um yeah so yeah it was good um i played so i played Majakari on tuesday against lewis with his new necron super fun really eye-opening game uh, which we'll talk about a bit later um then on uh then against the new space moons on thursday against my, my mate matt who's he's a really good player he came second at, ba- at one of the last bad moon cafe tournaments and that's a it's a pretty hard tournament to even like turn up and do well in it seems to be it seems to attract all the all the competitive players from everywhere across the UK to come down to that. It's London. It's easy, easy to get to for the trains and that. But um, I played my Chaos Knight, and uh, as I randomly rolled his name, uh, is my Lord of Change called Windface. And if any of, you, of my club um, listeners are uh, or listening to this, um, they they know Windface, and he's uh, in our local um, club campaign. I rolled. Uh, his random traits and I put so much CP into into all the relics and stuff that I managed to get him like almost unkillable um, which is really funny for everyone who's playing Fluffy and then I've just bought this Lord of Change with like one unit of 10 horrors um, for like a like 25 power level game um, but no yeah um, I played that, I played a really competitive game um, when I won that which was good um, yeah like, it's Space Marines are still like incredibly like good, and I was on the back foot for like two turns. Um, but then it's just they like because of the the Chaos Knight stuff, like the flat three damage Gatling guns and um, a couple of relics to to make stuff uh, and water traits to make him like reroll everything, hit some wounds for a turn. It just wasn't a lot he could do, and I was just focusing on like the key units every single turn. And there's only so many turns you can kind of weather the storm of all these Gatling uh, Gatling guns and my f- new favorite non Drakari unit, the Morax from uh, Forge World. They're kind of like the Armager Walkers, which have um, grav guns. But they're, f- I think they're like flat four damage or flat three damage. 
Um, if uh, if you've got a two plus save or a three up save, so obviously everything in the Marines is the three up save, and the vehicles have got three up saves and stuff like that. So it's like each one is like two d six shots, and then they like I was rolling hot like usual, Dom's dice, um, <laughs> and I was just like picking up squads and vehicles every single turn with them, and because yeah, it was it was yeah, it was great. I had a really good game, um, but no. Seeing how all the auras work and how he has to now use impulses without the four up in one and the no fly rule, which is really odd to see him trying to maneuver around vehicle, uh, other vehicles and trying uh, to go through like almost like turn corners like a car. Um, it's interesting. It's, a, it's like Marine players are going to have to think now. You're going to have to use your brain a bit rather than just reroll everything and. Uh, win everything just by turning up so um yeah the new Necron's great space moon's great it's good for everyone um yeah uh it's good i learned a lot and we'll talk about it in a bit uh george what did you go on, on with this week i got battered in the face by space <laughs> nuns oh. i don't really <laughs> so, like it hurt. um <laughs> so i played uh, I played a game on Thursday against a uh, uh, mate of mine, Lee, from the Cross Swords Club in Plymouth. So if you're listening, Lee, nice. thanks for humbling my Drakari. Um, our hobby stuff, I'm still on my still on my um, Incubi at the moment. Uh, just kind of taking my time with them, deciding what colours I want to put where. Um, all the base colours are now laid in and the shades have been applied. So now it's just a case of like highlighting, edge highlighting, that kind of thing. And then final touch-ups. I'm quite a messy painter, so I usually have to go over the bits I've already done a couple of times before I finish a model. But, um, but that's going quite well. I may, I may, I had the, the horror moment of my, of, uh, of any Warhammer 40k moment, uh, on Thursday when I came back from my, my, uh, humbling, um, from the Sororitas, and I dropped my carry case. Dum dum dum. Uh, no way. Yeah. So I dropped. I was trying to carry too much. I basically had my had my hands had one in one hand. I had like my two um, boxes with my um, Drakari army in, and in the other hand, I had like two shopping bags full of stuff that um, my wife asked me to get for the test on the way back. And yeah, one of the boxes that was on the top of the other one came out of my hand, landed on the floor opened and my reapers my venoms and my incarn and my drizar just fell out onto the floor and um yeah that was not the most pleasant experience so i spent the next like three hours trying to fix them back together and check what damage had been done um fortunately they're not too bad um the incarn suffered a bit of chip paint here and there um, Drazar came out unscathed because he's a boss. So <laughs> he, he came out, he was still magnetized to the inside of the box. So he was all right. Um, he's got the best armor saving the codex, doesn't he? So yeah, he's he a tough little, tough little cookie. Um, unfortunately, one of my Reaper sails came back, came out pretty, pretty badly damaged and chipped. So I've got to kind of strip them down and repaint them. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Um, the way I've put together my venoms means that like the the pilots aren't stuck on they're just kind of clipped on with the they're glued onto the gun and then the gun is kind of um just clipped on so they just kind of fell off and they just clicked back into place and they came off their bases and the bases obviously on that there are that circular flying stand so they just clicked back in 
So it wasn't too bad. It, it looked a lot worse. The Incarn suffered the most damage, I think, because he's quite a flimsy, flimsy dude. Um, but he's stuck back together now, and I've touched him up where he needs to be. So yeah, but um, that was kind of the 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 icing on the cake of playing against the Sororitas. Now I've, I've not got a lot of experience against the Sororitas. I have got their codex and I've read it and and so on, but there aren't a lot of um, sisters players around. I think there will be more going forward. Um, the Melter and Flamer changes. Oh my god, it's just it's so good on Sisters of Battle. Um, his uh, Lee's list was actually quite interesting. It was it was more or less like a, a mirror of my own in design, where it was um, just a bunch of transports with uh, filled with uh, various occupants. So he only had like three troop choices, but he had um, three of the elite choices um, that all had melter guns. And then three of the heavy support choices that all had multi-melters or, or heavy flamers. And then three of his um, immolators, I think they're called, had the double multi-melter turret on top. And three of them had double heavy flamer turret on top. He had the Celestine in there and a couple of penitent engines. Um, and yeah, it was it was the 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 doubling the doubling damage on the multi multi melters getting two shots apiece is really brutal when the d6 plus two damage went in half range um particularly with sisters because they have a lot of ways already to boost the range of the multi melters and they can also fire again by um using their little cherubs they just sacrifice a cherub to to the god emperor and it lets them fire a multi melter again um Really, really brutal stuff. And I think on turn two, I lost about a thousand points worth of models. It was like all, it was like four of my Venoms, one of my Reapers, um, a whole bunch of stuff. It was like it was easily half my army in one shooting phase. Um, and from there, it was just trying to claw up points. Um, I was using the Incarn, which was quite cool, and I've not really used him in many games. And he he did actually keep me in the game with his teleporting ability to to go on to an objective after a unit gets shot off it is really, really powerful. Um, and he picked up a couple of the emulators and a couple of the sister squads himself, uh, managed to take the um, Celestine down to about two wounds just by doing Gaze of Inead on it, on her. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, I was really pleased with the Incarn. I don't think I did him justice. I think the, I completely underestimated how much firepower the sisters had. Um, and definitely going back into it, play it a lot different. But that's that's what playtesting is for. I'd rather do that in a friendly than than at a tournament table. So, do you think the result would have been different if they hadn't got all the new buffs for their ranges and stuff? Oh, 100 percent. Like it, you, you've literally that change has doubled their damage output because you've got you, you've got the flamers at 12 inches. They already had ways of uh, boosting the range of their flamers by four inches, which they haven't FAQ'd. So suddenly, all these heavy flamers are like 16 inch range. Um, on a platform that moves like a rhino, so it moves like 12 inches, so it gives them a huge threat range with the heavy flamers. Um, and the multi-melters, it, it literally doubles, more than doubles, because the damage profile is better, because obviously if they're in half range, it's D6 plus 2, um, and they're getting double the amount of shots per gun. So you're looking at like a squad of retributors, I think they're called, which are their heavy support option, which don't suffer the penalty for moving and shooting the multi-melters you're looking at them pumping out eight multi-melter shots and um just on their own with four guys in there 
then they've got they can have two armor cherubs per squad, which are only five points each. So for an extra ten points, they get to fire another two of those guns. So that's twelve shots, twelve multi melter shots from one squad. It's like hundred and fifty points. Um, it's yeah, it's brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, but um, now I know that. <laughs> so um, there are ways to play around it by using the movement and terrain and things like that but it's um yeah i definitely think sisters are going to be there and i think it also that the they had a really good counter um to my damage output in the fact that um i don't know which sisterhood he chose but it basically it's similar to salamanders when they ignore minus one ap um and then he was near he had a couple of characters that provided a buff that um improved that by another minus one so they were ignoring minus one and minus two ap um, which means my liquefier guns just bounced. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. And then on top of it, you've got like inherent six up invol across the board because of the shield of faith ability and feel no and six up feel no pain across the board as well. So really durable, really high amount of firepower, relatively maneuverable. Um, a good all round list, really good list. I can't take it away from Lee. Like he, he played a good game. Um, I completely underestimated how big a change that the Melters and the Flamer difference would make. Um, and I'd love for a rematch sometime with a similar or slightly amended list on my part. What are you going to change your list going forward then? Uh, God, I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> um, I think I'd bring the... Because that one I tried six Venoms out. Um, I wanted to see if uh, the Splinter Fire was enough. Um, I did miss having the Raiders, so I think I'd bring the Raiders back in, um, maybe do three and three. Um, if I was still going for the, the, the Raider Rush kind of style list, uh, definitely need more firepower. I think I, I missed, having, um, missed having the Ravagers, because that AP3 and damage 2 would have really put some hurt on the Sisters uh, once they got out of their transports, um, and he couldn't really get he wouldn't have been able to get to my um, Ravagers until at least turn three um, because he would have had to go through everything else first. Um, I think in that game, I only had one squad of Incubi and the Incubi picked up like almost almost three squads on their own. So definitely, definitely go back to two squads of Incubi. Uh, and just play differently, I think. I, would, I, play, uh, I, ch I keep trying to do too much. I keep trying to... Deny him secondary, deny him primary, and also score maximum primary on my own. I think um, I need to focus more on scoring a bit of primary myself whilst denying my opponent primary um, and trying to mitigate by like, sort of turn one, turn two firepower um, before fully committing. So if I was to keep the list relatively similar, that, that would definitely change that. Um, although I am tempted to. Uh, go back to bringing some profits back in with uh, with the Talos and see how see how they do. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I've decided I've got about like fifteen lists in my phone that I keep wanting to try, but I haven't got the time to try them. Uh, so, what about you, Paulie? What have you been up to? Currently, I am painting. So, I put on my blog yesterday what do you think I should paint, and everyone was more interested in talking about the Zotes and Amble being part of Drakari, which I'm very passionate about. The Amble should be a Drakari beast, and I think the Zote would be a really cool um, addition to the Court of the Archon. However, I am painting some Urgles. I'm painting two of them. Uh, I'm painting one to go deploy some Scramblers, probably in the future. 
and I'm painting another one who will be on my tantalus when that tantalus is finally done. Uh, it's really interesting painting two at the same time because I'm painting a plastic one from Blackstone Fortress and also one of the old fine cast ones. And I think you can sort of see where, like, sometimes in like the old fine cast and metal sculpts, there's bits and pieces which, like, I don't think you can quite replicate in terms of some of the poses and plastic. So, uh, really interesting though. I'm following um, a bit of a painting guide, the one done by Peachy back in 2018. Um, I'm not following it for the paints because I'm using my own sort of um, my own variation, but like a similar sort of method to him, how he's like literally just putting a, a purple glaze over the, the face and the hands and just a dry brush and one highlight. I think one of my issues I tend to do quite a lot is I like over highlight, I want to bring everything up to white when obviously that doesn't always make sense to do. So uh, it's nice just having like a really small distraction because at the moment I'm in a weird place in the sense that I've done like, you know, what events I've done. And I don't think there's going to be many more coming up really the rest of this year. Um, and I'm enjoying playing. I've sort of figured out my list. We're going to go into that a bit later. Um, so I'm working on just lots of like random little projects. I still want to do with rain. I still want to finish my grotesques. I want to do my second and third reapers. But I'm waiting for the forge world book and I'm waiting for the tantalus. And who's no, who knows, the tantalus might get amazing. Um, but I think at the moment we're in a bit of a weird Drakari limbo where we're waiting for a codex which... I'd assume, I'd, ha I'd hope to think be out in 2021. So at the moment, it's just a case of enjoy your games if you can play them and just and just paint and enjoy Drakari. Uh, I played a small pickup game during the week where I played Jeets of the Cult, which is interesting. It was like the first time I played them in ninth. Um, and I forgot the shenanigans they can pull where they use the blip markers. Um, it's quite an interesting list. It's similar to the one which is featured in Goonhammer, which came third in one of the European GTs last weekend. So it had a couple of rock grinders, some of the ridge runners, and it had big units of acolytes coming from reserve. Um, the hand flamers are no joke now when they can just pop up nine inches but still hit you with the hand flamers. Um, really interesting game. I won it by going first, and I was able to keep up a lot of board presence. I was lucky to keep my homunculus alive for three phases of combat against uh, an abominant, whereas the other Talos whittled down the unit of aberrants. And there was a turn where he had about three or four large units and objectives. And I managed to kill them all with Talos and Ravagers and also Incubi chopping up some of the characters as well. So it was a massive win. It was 95-44, which is probably my biggest win in ninth. Uh, but a really interesting game. I learned quite a lot about what to do against that list and what my Jukari can do going forward. So we're now going to move into the next segment of the show. And we're going to talk about the new Necron and Space Marines threat. So, Dom, I believe you are the most knowledgeable about this. George and I have had the opportunity to pick up the codexes. And we're relying on um, internet articles and you know, friends and WhatsApps talking about what's good. Uh, but I think you're going to run us through the new codexes, aren't you? And what we need to look out for and react to with Padra Curry. Yep, 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 yep. I am ready for this. So... I'm um, going to go through Space Marines first, and then I'll go into Necrons. And I'm just going to say a th few things and then bounce some stuff off you. Um, this would be interesting for everyone who is like, a bit like George, who's got a, a Jakari army, and then they've got a Space Marine like, project on the side, because you've got White Scars in that, right, George? Um, uh, don't talk such filth. Only, only idiots collect White Scars. 
<laughs> I, I, I collect the walls of Fenris. The walls. Uh, sad times for them. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so with with the releases and everything like that, there's been a lot of like not- notable changes in the Space Marines. Um, a lot of it is good, but a lot of it that people think is like negative is actually balancing the game and making things that were that weren't initially supposed to be like game breaking um like level out so the first thing like everyone's aware of it now is the the new change to the auras um it like after after playing uh blood angels last week and seeing how they have to um really think about like where they like where they're going to attack because they're not as efficient as attacking anymore and um they need to really think where like it, am i going to go for that that part of the board because that's where i need my guns to be and also my rerolls to be as well because with the new um uh, with with the way everything works now um there is there is some broken stuff um which is a bit crazy um like there's a, like the mvp i think of the codex was the new um apothecary but you can upgrade it um and it's you can bring back like like full wound models and uh fully uh it just gets a bit crazy after after a while so i won't go into that because i don't want to keep always going on about the competitive stuff um uh but just 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 from what um what i've like been looking into and um talk to uh, a couple of people about is uh, the, the biggest changes for how everyone was running the list towards the end of 8th and start of ninth is the aggressors. Um, you would see them everywhere uh, just because the, the sheer efficiency of how they could fire over 100 shots um, for like not much investment in points. Um, they're, still, they're still really good like as a unit and don't get me wrong, like we like we as Drakari players, if we could have that literally, if you could copy and paste that unit into our codex, every one of us would use it. Because there's not a lot of units in the game. They're pretty much they're pretty similar to the uh is it the Castellan not Castellan, uh Castellan or Castellan robots of the um the Admech. They're literally just there to just throw millions of bullets at you to like kill like witch bombs like grot bombs like boys all that sort of stuff um so they're still really good uh they also have the core keyword which is a big thing because their brothers uh the centurions do not have the core keyword which i think is a huge change because without that they can't get re-rolls they can't get they, they don't get affected by any auras um but the going back to the aggressors uh they lost their don't fire twice um ability uh so Paulie, just straight off uh how does that make you feel not having not having the aggressors with the the double tap happier much much happier yeah <laughs> yeah yeah certainly because uh it, it was just too much um and i don't think when when they did did the actual rules for these, they didn't think that it was it was going to be abused the way it was. But when they like they were looking at it as a unit rather than oh we can get real ones because of this, oh we can get real ones because of wound because of this, oh because they're firing twice they get a gazillion shots and like it takes like half an hour just to fire them in one phase. And God help you if you charge them because again you got all of the Overwatch. Um, 
Uh, but that's that's the aggressors. Like they're still really good if you have them. Uh, don't throw them away. Don't sell them. Keep them in your army. They're still so good. It's just they've just gone from being the best unit in your book to being great. So don't worry about that. Uh, like I was saying before, Centurions, they kind of got a bit of a beating. Um, they didn't go up in a but they didn't get a bump up in the wounds, um, which is I I think they should have because look at them. They're <laughs> they're beefy as hell, they're thick boys. Um and I think they could they could have. Um yeah, and they don't have the core work keyword, which is the big biggest like bummer for them because everything else that's pretty that's pretty good in the in the book got core so it's a bit silly um but anyway it is what it is so they, they have to make some sacrifices um another one um scouts scouts not being troops now uh george what's your reaction to the scouts not being troops i think it's i think it's a good move uh i think it's rest in peace scouts like i don't, i genuinely don't think you'll ever see scouts again like ever because they, yeah, there's too much competition in the elite slot, and the fact that they don't have obsec that that was the whole point of taking them was they were really cheap obsec that could deploy out of your deployment zone. So I think moving them to elite means you just won't see scouts ever. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree because uh, they were just cheap troops. You could just throw them away. You just you could. Use them. You'd have them in your list to stop people um, forward advancing or like nerglings. You'd stop. You'd stop like the nine-inch deployment of nerglings. So they're a really good unit, but now I think they're not that good that you can't replace it with something else that doesn't really do the same thing. But it's there's just way more stuff for them to take. Um, the uh, I think this is a rule that's probably going to affect us the most, or maybe they thought um when uh, when they when they gave the fly keyword to all of their space vehicles maybe they were they didn't really think about how how it would play with them or maybe maybe because of the new change to fly there they're going to make sure it's just like an eldar or uh Jukari or necrons or anything like that but yeah space marines they they don't have fly on their tanks they don't get the minus two to charge uh for the for the repulses impulses and now they can't just do, uh, they can't just like fly over all the terrain just to, to get where they need to be. They literally have to move like a rhino. The only benefit is like speed. They get an extra like two inches on the movement or whatever it is. Um, so that that's another interesting thing. Paulie, what do you think about the the new uh, get rid of fly? I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it makes a lot of sense. When you look at the repulsor and the impulsor, um, you know they hover, they hover, so I don't think they should be able to fly uh, like they do. Um, I don't think it will affect us much. Like I think someone in like one of the Facebook groups raised, like you know, do you think raiders and falcons and stuff will lose it? Whereas I think it's obvious that they fly. But looking at that, I wouldn't be surprised potentially if pain engines um, lost fly because in the old old rules they had like hover, they never, like flew properly like a skimmer, so. I wouldn't be surprised if Talos lost that, which I think would be quite interesting, but I'll have to wait and see. Mm. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think Talos could could see like the, the, the loss of fly and maybe Hellions as well. Um, but just it, it just depends what they want to do. They might even bring a totally new different rule 
for like fast skimmers bringing that back. Um, I yeah, I don't think Hellions will lose it. They they definitely fly. Like they there's there's lots of law to back up the Hellions flying around this the sort of um peaks of Komora, like fighting reavers and scourge and stuff like that. There's basically like a constant aerial war going on in a dark city between um all the units that can fly basically. So I, I think Hellions are keeping but I do agree with Paulie. Um I do I do think Talos probably will lose the fly keyword. Um and that will change it a little bit, but again, once the codex comes out, the whole thing changes. So it's kind of almost irrelevant thinking about it in in this in this codex in this codex context. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we saw a change to how the specimens can now buff units, and a lot of it is simply they they got to choose one unit. They can't they can't buff multiple units. Um, all of the time um, so you can give like uh, I think if, if any of you have played the Necrons from 8th edition they could do uh, uh, Thy Will Be Done they could select a unit and then that unit would get the buff so that's um, what a couple of the new aura stuff would, is able to do from the Space Marines which is interesting um, but yeah, yet again after playing them it's it, like Space Marine players are going to have to think more and like, where do they want all those key buffs? They can't just have a big blob in like big castle in the middle because doesn't uh, it doesn't really it's not going to really work like with with how they use their armies. Um, but I just I'm just going to bring up one stratagem which I <laughs> which I found which I would love as a Drakari stratagem. Um, and I know people think probably thinking they're like, oh, you know, you're going to get the fire twice thing or all that sort of stuff. The orbital bombardment stratagem, I think, is absolute genius. And for those who don't know, it's like it's three CP, and all you do is pick a point in the battlefield, put a little marker down, and then in your your next turn, the or, the ship orbiting the the planet that you're playing over shoots a beam down and orbital orbital bombards that point, and anything within three inches of that gets plus one to the damage. Anything within six inches of of that takes. Uh, I think it's on a four up. Um, I haven't got the rule in front of me, so don't quote me on that. But um, you you take mortal wounds from it. So essentially, what it is is a twelve inch denial zone of of like an objective. So you, you literally first turn you go three CP. Okay, that <laughs> on your objective, I'm putting that next turn. If you're still on that objective, you're getting nuked, and it's a hefty investment, don't get me wrong, but you do that to some uh, some fishy boys, and with all their lovely minute, <laughs> like drone squads, their pathfinders, their dark striders, their broadsides and everything, yeah, they they got to skedaddle out of there because you're getting nuked from <laughs> from above. Um, so it's really interesting that strategy. Um, I think I really think it, it, it's a good move because it's. Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I I would quite like that. Um, and it, I just think you could you could either it's almost like a three CP to just deny like a part of the table because like I know we've got fill pain on our units, but I don't really want to take D three mortal wounds for every single unit in my army if I'm if I'm castled up because something's going to go wrong and like you'll have uh like a five man incubi unit which goes down to two two people really quickly if they roll the d3 and they roll well um 
but no, that's uh, that was something I picked on, which I thought was really good. Um, but I just want to uh, go on to one last thing, and this is, I think, maybe going forward, we might you like coin this as uh, a rest in pieces for for the model. But uh, uh, you you two are probably very very happy. But the Smash Captains are no more. They are long gone from this world. And the reason why I say this, because their Thunder Hammers have lost the AP. Their Storm Shields aren't, aren't as good with the three-up bounce. Yes, they get plus one to their save, but it's a four-up in run. So it's, it's good. And uh, Paulie, you know, you've played against Smash Captains a lot, and you know the threat that the, especially the Blood Angels um, Smash Captains were in eighth. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, 100%. I've lost many a Razorwing Jet Fighter, a Void Raven Bomber, uh, to one of those. So I think, yeah, it's it's nice to see them demise slightly. I've seen some chatter about having Smash Masters. Um, is it a case of like having more wounds? Is there more like relics you can do to make them more interesting, like more of a threat? Or do you think they're like definitely gone? Um. I mean, I think I think the Smash Captains are gone with the with the usual loadout, but it seems to be that the what they're actually looking at now is the certain the certain like the Salamanders. Um, you can you can make the the HQ units like tough. I think it's toughness eight with a couple of like Warlord traits and relics, just from like a, a six wound model with a two up save. But he's like toughness eight, just this like like hulky HQ. So I think you're going to see more combos of that sort of stuff. But it's the new, um, it's the new that new Primaris biker. But uh, he's a chaplain. He's very good, very very good. There's a lot of damage output. But the, one of the main thing is, is that when uh, I think he's got a litany that he can pop. Um, I think, and it's in any phase with a stratagem, and you basically get to. I think I th- oh, I'm going to say this wrong now. Of course I am. But um, I think it's like you can charge straight from. Um, I think you can do like below a, a nine inch charge if you're coming out of deep strike if you're within um three inches of him so you guys can come in and, and automatically do like a seven inch charge which is pretty decent if you're running blood angels with your um i think it's uh, just it's just the litany of hate mate so it's um it's one of the, the better litanies where it's just plus two to your charge rolls so obviously yeah. if you're coming in from reserve your your nine inch charge suddenly becomes a seven inch charge and there's probably ways for certain units to get re-rolls to that as well which makes them really consistent to charge from reserve yeah yeah and I, think, and I, think, I think yeah sorry and i think like because he's on the bike he can get up the board where he needs to so if he if your unit's coming in from the flank or if it's coming in deep strike he can just zoom in a, he can just move in advance like turn one or turn two to get to where he needs to be in order for your unit to drop, and then he's providing them with the aura to give them the, the plus two charge. Um, really, really good unit. As a Paddy uses it quite a lot on his white scars, um, and I would use it on my wolves um, if I had one because plus two to charge is really, really solid. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, any anything to get you in, into combat more reliably is a lot better because nine inch charges from deep strike. Let's be honest, like you're only gonna make like like every other one of that. So it's it's very good. I think that's that's a good little brief discussion on Space Marines and like a uh, like a sum up of what happened recently with all the stuff. Um yeah, we know uh, like Blood Angels, Space Wolves, they lost a lot of their um 
the the buffs from psychic awakening and uh, relics and and all that sort of stuff but don't worry that that'll be coming they're just erasing it so that they can give you some sweet new stuff and then in like a few few months time they'll you'll be saying oh my god it's so good it's so strong and then we'll be crying again because we still haven't got a codex lol um <laughs> yeah so um yeah so that's that's all i'm going to say about space marines um and after after playing my mate matt at the weekend uh, on thursday I've got to say it was um, it was definitely easier to play against than it was in, in eighth. I know there's a lot more damage output and there's a lot more wounds because if you've got your um, original space marine, so they've got buffed up wounds now. But um, it's definitely like like it's not as static the way they play, and the impulses aren't so um, other than they're not as good, and they've got to be a bit more careful because they don't have the four up in bun anymore. Um, which I don't even why they even thought that was a good idea, given that shield down that. But um, yeah, uh, going on to Necrons. So these out the two Codex, I've got to say they are the biggest winner because they have just come up with a gem of a Codex. The new models, incredible. The new like 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 Dynasty stuff, it's so good and like. George, if I said to you, you know what, your entire army, every single model in your army is now obsec, what would you say to that? I'd say, well, what about the units that are currently obsec? Surely they should count as two models, Dom. <laughs> well, now the Necron players can count their lucky stars because they can now have an entire army of obsec. You're joking. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So scarabs, obsec. They can have monoliths, obsec. Everything is obsec. Do you know what the best thing about that is? Do you know what even makes it even better? They can take that with something else, which makes uh, which gives them a pre-game move. So if you if you're facing someone who's with necrons, yeah, and uh, you you know everything's got obsec, right? And usually it takes you two turns to get to get to the middle objectives and sit on them, get a good firing base. They can have their army. In the middle of the board at the start of the game so, and you good luck trying to get all of the obsec off all those objectives so it like you like i've got to say because because of indomitus there's gonna be a lot of people running necrons because they're the new hot then then the hot models they're, they're awesome they look really cool and probably a lot of a lot of people don't collect them um yeah you better bring blast i tell you that because i am um, because of because of the, the way because of those two stacked rules and the the buffing characters like they they've got they've got one of the new um, uh, like a Necron wizard called a uh, Chronomancer and he gives a nine inch aura bubble to all core units um, and he gives every single one of them a five up in bun so they're that not only do Necron warriors have a, uh, a reanimation protocols they also have a five up in bun. So you've got a couple of them knocking around in the midboard as well because of the pre-game move and uh, all of uh, all of the um, the big squads. Um, yeah, it's they're seriously hard to remove now because um, you're not trying to just get through their their four up armor. Um, they can also they've also got things they can remove cover one CP. Um, but um, there's this it's basically a very well thought out codex on how. Necrons should play 
like you've got your massive squads of warriors like holding down the board when you've got these like weird and wonderful creations like firing like across the board um it's really cool it's really 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 cool um the uh i i out of everything that i've like like seen like seen from them i think one of the best things that that's there is the um is i'm going to say this wrong it's the orphidean destroyers they're basically wraith body ophidian yeah there you go nailed it <laughs> ophidian um destroyers they're basically like wraith bodies but with uh, the new uh, destroyer uh, blades they are so cheap like they're really really good but this is the damage output it's it's just solid like the move 10 um you can have you can have new units between three and six their toughness four which is great three wounds which is really nice especially with with um marines and everything you get three attacks but it's the it's the reap blade which is make plus two strength minus four ap and flat three damage poorly how does that make you feel yeah, a little bit scared. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot of damage there. It's like one one of those wraiths is um, strength strength seven, minor uh, uh, hitting on threes, minor uh, then he wounds like like he wounded Talos on fours, and minus four. So you don't if you haven't got an invun, you're not getting a save with these. Um, and it's flat three damage, and it's a and they're super quick. They can get they can get there like like turn two, like minimum. They're, they're super super good and there's a lot of other stratagems and rules which you can buff them to make them even better um but let me tell you about how this new reanimation protocols works and i witnessed it firsthand and <laughs> things did not go well so um the way the new reanimation protocol works so every time a unit finishes shooting at a necron unit the Necron player then gets to roll his reanimation protocols. What you do is you roll for every wound that was lost in in that in that uh, little instalment or phase of of that vehicle or infantry unit um, or anything that's in combat with it um, attacking. So, let, let for, for instance, you fire a venom, and uh, one venom kills two warriors. You then straight after you finish that venom. He rolls his reanimation protocols. Cool. One gets back up. Okay, so then you go to your next your next vehicle, you, you fire again. Reanimation protocols, cool. A couple get up. But the most frustrating thing about it is the way you used to you used to be able to get round the Necrons is that um at the end of the turn, that is when or the start of their turn, they would do the reanimation protocols. And you could negate it by killing the whole unit. But now, because it's done after every single unit is fired at um, at the Necron unit, it gets a bit crazy. Um, and so I had I fired two Ravengers, a Venom, a uh, a um, a two D six weapon profile of a Reaper, and uh, <laughs> a Homunculus with a hex rifle, um, all into a ten man Immortal squad. With uh, which was next to the Chronomancer with the five of Invum, and all of that firepower killed five immortals. Five immortals. That's two Ravagers, a Reaper, a Venom, and a and a Hex rifle. Kill five immortals. 
because they're toughness five now. So those dizzies, <laughs> they're winning on fours, way less efficient. And it just, because it, it wasn't like I only killed five, I probably killed like 12. But because he gets to re-roll for all the wounds that got lost, he just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And then in his phase, he had stratagems to like gain like an extra D, like D3 models or an extra model here, an extra model there. And, and you just you just really couldn't like chew through them. And I know that sort of firepower would usually kill a few units. Like if it, like coming to you guys and I'm just like, look, Ravenger versus Immortal unit, who wins? You're like, Ravenger. <laughs> immortals you can't kill them they're seriously tough um but the way the way they do it now is you can kind of like walk up the board with your models so um because you've got to put them down within a certain distance from where they fell um because you're doing it after every single unit uh every single model dies you can kind of like walk them up a little bit which is kind of interesting um but like let's let's get your thoughts on that the way the new reanimation does um let's just, like George, how what you feeling? Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's really, really thematic. It's both um, a massive buff and a nerf in the same rule. Um, it makes sing it's, it, for single wound models like like Immortals and the Warriors. It's like feel no pain on steroids for them, um, but for multi wound models, it's a lot worse than the previous. Um, reanimation protocols because it's actually quite hard to get your um, your guys back up um, just from taking damage. But I know there are like things like resurrection orbs and things that can bring them back out of sequence, um, which makes them more valuable. Uh, I think it's really cool. I think the Necron, as I said, the Necron Codex, the, the GW have done a really good job um, making the army play how it should play uh, with regards to like the narrative of the army. Um, like Necrons have always been kind of like this unstoppable legion of um, unkillable robots that just get back up all the time. And I think that kind of is really strongly re uh, represented in the new reanimation protocol rules. Um, and then on top of that, they've got all these new special units and stratagems and things like that. Um, I don't know all of them, but I have seen a few of them in like battle reports and, and mentioned on the Goonhammer article and stuff that look really, really interesting. Um, particularly the Catan shards, I think. Um, which I know you want to cover in a bit, so I'll let you do that. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll do that right now. So, uh, the Catans are freaking awesome! They are so cool! Like, all of them. They are all awesome. Um, the fact that they've got a better Gazgore rule now. Uh, I said a Gazgore rule, it's that uh, you can only do three wounds a phase to them. And it's so freaking good. They don't worry, guys. They've lost the character rules. They cannot hide, so don't worry. But still, like you try and do like like three wins a phase. And I know Paulie. I was talking to you about um, how you can kind of deal with this. And was it the Reavers you thought that that you could uh, get through a Satan quite quite easily, or not easily, but still that was like an option. Yeah, definitely. So Reavers, it uh, doesn't really matter what obsession you use, um, but potentially Slash and Impact will help with this, and also Red Groove will help with the movement. You can do it in four different phases, because in the movement phase you can use uh, the stratagem. You can also do um, damage in shooting with blasters, heat lances, and splinter rifles. 
Uh, but also, a lot of people always forget that it's not the assault phase anymore, it's, it's charge and fight phase. So in the charge phase, you can do uh, damage with your grav talons and slash an impact. And also, you can try and do some damage in the, um, in the fight phase as well. So I don't know if I'd fancy six Reavers against the Satan, but again, it's, um, it's not impossible, and especially if they're backed up with support from some other units as well. I think it's probably worth a shot. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Anything that um anything that can really like get through get through at least three wounds, um you would hope anyway. But um yeah, and all of us like you we all love Reeve Reaver jet bikes. We've all got them. They are incredible models and I just want I I want to see more. I want to see more on the board. Um I mean I'm dying to get mine out. Um and yeah, I've finally painted them. And they will be seeing the table soon. But I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to these boys about how how I can get a bit of witch cult in my list. Because as you know, since the start of this, I've never been a witch cult player. But I'm, I'm more into my coven. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make make a like a, a real effort to get the witch cult in because they've got to they've got to have some use. I think in in the way we play scene. Um. So yeah, going on to the next thing. Uh, about the Sitans, they've they've got a uh, four up in Vun, but the taste the tastiest of all of them is the Nightbringer. Right, George, tell us about the Nightbringer. So the Nightbringer um, hasn't received any spotlight in the Warhammer community articles, but he's been a bit more noted in some of the other articles that have come out since the Codex dropped. Uh, the Nightbringer, um, law-wise, is the aspect of death. There's a reason why he looks like the Grim Reaper. Um, before he was uh, shattered and when he was in his full form, it's it said that he visited every species in the galaxy, bar the orcs, and put the fear of death in them. Um like imprinted, which is why humanity has this kind of image of death as the Grim Reaper, because it's actually the Nightbringer. I've always loved that bit of lore. Um, finally, he has rules that actually represent that. He is death, like literal death. So he has a rule, I'm not sure what the name of it is, but basically his melee attacks ignore everything. Like they ignore armor, they ignore invulnerables, they ignore feel no pain, they ignore anything like the Gazcall rule that makes you only take a certain amount of wounds on a phase. Um, any way to ignore the damage, the Nightbringer goes, no. Um, and this guy's pumping out like five or six attacks at strength, like 14 or something really ridiculous, minus like five AP, D6 damage a piece. Um, and you can also do a sweep attack that does like double the amount of attacks, but with like much less AP and much less damage. Um, he's got his gaze of death ability, which is like a targeted smite kind of thing. Um, like that's his Catan power, and he can have another Catan power. Uh, he is an absolute powerhouse. If he touches you, you die, basically. And I, I, pretty much anything in the game, because uh, you're not going to be able to toe to toe in combat because you can only do two, you can only do three wounds to him unless he's already taken damage on the way in. Um, I'm pretty confident that he will he will kill anything he touches. And, and I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like there are ways to deal with him. Um, as Paulie mentioned, Reaver jet bikes become quite attractive. Uh, things like Void Raven bombers, being able to drop a bomb on him. Um, you know, you'll be rolling three dice and on threes causing mortal wounds. So that does that does damage in the movement phase. Obviously we can uh, bring in our own psychers in the form of like a vein or, or the, or the incarn to do some wounds in the, in the psychic phase, if you want, um, then obviously do some damage in the shooting phase. So there are ways to deal with him. 
Um, but I think he's a really, really cool, cool dude. And and you, you pay the points for him. I think he's he's close to four hundred points. So um, he better do some work. And I think he really will going forward. I think you'll see him in quite a few Necron lists um, as well as the other two as well. But um, the other two don't have that same rule in melee where they ignore everything. I think they just ignore armor. Um, but yeah, I think the Nightwing will be a very attractive option for Necron players. Yeah, totally. He's and oh, what a cool model as well. Yeah, I kind of thought they would maybe redo him, especially with the uh, Deceiver as well. Deceiver's actually got really cool tricks, and I know if you're a Necron player, you know about them. But he can uh, basically redeploy units before before the start of the game, so you can bait people completely into like deploying like half their army just to like be in line of sight or something. Just be like, nope, over here, uh, which is really cool. Um. Void Dragon, he looks solid. He's got um, he's got decent attacks, um, and yeah, what a cool model! Like, I just want to buy it just to paint it. Just he's just got like floating rocks around him, like like electricity, like like bolting out of him, and pretty solid. Like he's strength seven. He's tough. Is it? He's he's just got everything you want like tougher seven strength like strength seven in is it strength seven in combat no it's uh strength nine in combat minus four d6 damage it's pretty dope especially he's got nine wounds five attacks pretty good 18 power level don't know how many points that kind of correlates to but um yeah they're all all of them are really good so if you if you got any satans like put them on the table they're awesome um just a quick note that monoliths are super heavies now, which is a bit weird. Um, and they have more access to guns. Like they've got the uh, the death rays, which is like um, like concentrated melter like beams, and they're pretty cool. Um, then night scythes got a little upgrade. They can uh, have twenty models inside them, which is pretty pretty cool. Especially um, they they de-nerfed them because before if you killed the night scythe they would just die and everything inside them would just die but now they come out like a normal transport so if you like i was playing my friend and i uh, blew his night scythe up and then 20 20 necro models fell onto the, the floor or and the way he deployed them he then covered two objectives so then in his turn he got those two objective points and i was like i just really regretted blowing up that night so i have to tell you that um and uh yeah there's like silent king the new rules for him are amazing so he's the price of a knight okay um but he has got so much going for him he's got his two sort of like obelisk things which uh are strength 10 they're like d6 damage they're they are seriously good at like like picking off tanks um but the whole like way his his dynasty is like revolved around yes you're paying for a knight but the abilities you get from him, like he's buffing everything, he's making things better, like like more efficient shooting, like giving like individual rules to certain units. It's just it's it's really good. Like it's what you want from a, a unit like the Silent King. If you're if you like if you're buying him, you want to use him because you want him to be like a centerpiece because you're gonna put a lot of hours into painting him to make him look awesome because his model is beautiful. Um it's having the army. And be such a boss on the table as well. It's it's seriously it's seriously cool how they how they've made all these 
new like rules like great because he's he's got 16 wounds six attacks but he's, I think it's only like flat two in, in combat so it's not it's not it's not amazing but it's it's everything else that comes with it like you have to kill his um like the guys on him they have to kill the the big obelisk things and it's it's going to take a lot to like to get through him but the whole he is a pinnacle like of this like Necron force he is doing work the whole the whole time if he's not dishing the punishment out he's buffing units he's he's just he's just making you like have to think about him which is really cool and um like george you're a massive um, fan of of his lore and like when like when he came when when he got the uh, the video um on the the warhammer community teaser i know uh, you were really excited about him but are you pleased that they've given him um like great rules and an also awesome model oh yeah 100 percent. i think yeah the model itself is crazy good um and bringing it back to kind of like jakari i know there's a lot of people in the facebook group that have mentioned it and I, I, there's a lot of um potential for having other models in a similar kind of format now going forward where you have like a leader on some sort of object and i know a lot of uh, dark elder fans would love to see a, a certain supreme overlord on a deus of destruction um going in the future so that might be quite interesting but going back to the silent king yeah they They've really done injustice. He is a he is an absolute powerhouse on the board. He's really hard to deal with because of his inherent durability. Having to go through the two obelisk things first um, provides like huge rerolls for the whole army. Um, like does tons of damage in the shooting phase. Does tons of damage in melee. Yeah, really really cool. And the model is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm I'm probably going to end up buying one myself just the just the paint. Um, <laughs> like because it's just it's so gorgeous and yeah i think it's it's worth my time just to paint that just to have it mm. it is a pretty gorgeous model I, I just like the void dragon i think that's quality um yeah i think i think that's it from just the brief coverage of the necrons because i mean we can talk about all of this uh, all night but you know, we we want to talk about Drakari. That's that's what we're here for, right? You're you're listening to us because you, you you think that we can talk about Drakari well. So, do you want, let's get on with Drakari. Enough of the space marines. Enough of the Necrons. I mean, I've got to, I'm going to say a couple of things though. Is that if you're playing against Necrons, you better bring those like shredders because I I really struggled with the amount of wounds I had to get through per unit when I was fighting the Necrons. So you want to bring like shredders, you want to bring Talos with the chain flails. Um you just want hot you want high volume of shots per unit rather than like blasters and um ossifactors and all that sort of stuff. Um and I didn't find Ravengers were that effective if I'm honest against Necrons because of just they've got five pin fun if they're if they're, they're being played right um it's just bodies upon bodies so you want to be in blast um and marines yeah opposite complete opposite you, you want to bring you want to bring like like dark techno liquefier guns you want to bring ravages any just spamming two damage as much as you can and maybe if you want to be cheeky get a bit of um get a couple of reapers in there um yeah that's uh that's that's our space marine and necron talk Okay, so thanks so much, Don, for taking us through that. We are going to go into Real Space Rage. So I went to an event 
called Fifth Confrontation, which is run by confrontation events down in Havant, which is down in the south of England. They also have a podcast now called War Down South, so please check them out as well. This was a 2,000 points match play event. The format was slightly different in the sense that the games were used in the GT Mission Pack, but it was done on a scoring system of 20 points for a win, none for a loss. But your secondaries weren't what you scored in the game. They were how many points you killed, which was slightly different. But obviously the games were just pure ninth as well, so it was easy to follow. I was using my current tournament list, which is Blackheart, Dark Technomancers and Prophets of Flesh. So run through it very quickly. It has a Archonjic Sliscus, of course, with a Lamian, five Cabalite Warriors with a Phantasm Grenade Launcher, and two Ravagers with Disintegrator Cannons. I have Dark Technomancers, which is led by Drazar, who is my Warlord at the moment. So he uses Hatred Eternal and one unit of racks with two liquefiers, three venoms just with a splinter rifle and splinter cannon, and also a reaper. Uh, also plus five incubi in there as well. And also in the Prophets of Flesh detachment is a homunculus with electrocorrosive whip and a hex rifle, as well as two units of racks with an ossifactor in each unit as well. And the obligatory Talos, uh, two units of three. Um, and they're the old school setup. I still quite like having the chain flails. So I have macro scalpels, chain flails, and haywire on all of them. So I'm going to take you through a whistle stop tour of the events. The first game I played against a really cool guy called Alan who had Chaos Knights and Corn. So I'm not going to go through every part of the list, every detail, uh, but he had two of the big knights. So he had um, a Rampager, he had um, the bigger one as well. Uh, he had, I think, three war dogs, um, and he also had a big unit of Chaos Corn Terminators, uh, a unit of Marines, and a Rhino, and a Lord as well. Um, so he won the role to go first. We're playing Scorch Earth. Um, I took Titan Killers naturally, uh, engaging all fronts and deploy Scramblers. He took Line Breaker, grind them down, and bring them down as well. So he went first, and... It was scary in the sense that he ran his big combat knight at me. Um, unit of uh, Chaos Marines stood sort of in the, in the background. Um, the war dogs came down different flanks, and the the larger warlord knight sort of sat in the backfield, but you know, firing its cannons towards me. I went second, so he came forward, like I said, um, and I was relatively lucky that all of the war dogs with their thermal lances they all bounced off my venoms. Um, and most importantly, the Rampager made it into my lines, but he needed a nine-inch charge, which he failed. Um, and, of course, he went to re-roll it, and then Agents Effect stopped him. So that was really, really important. What that allowed me to do was then focus that down with lots of my firepower. So um, six Talos, a Homunculus, and Drizal went into that. Um, and Drizal, of Hatred Eternal, he just takes down knights like no business. Um I was then able to use the Reaper to take down the Rhino, um, which went down later in the game. The The War Dogs went down quite quickly in the next few phases after that, where the Talos went through them. Um, the Terminators came down in one of my objectives. Again, they were quite lucky to fail a charge, um, but what it meant is they were kept out of the game, um, where I gave up that objective, moved away from it, but they were focused on the others, um, and eventually... Turned for my Talos um, and Trezar got into Warlord Knight as well. So all that he had left uh, towards the end of the game was just the Terminators. 
Um, I maxed out my primary, going 15, 15, 15, whereas he started going 10, 5, and 5. Um, I got 12 for Tyson Killers, uh, 13 for Engagement Fronts as well, So uh, and 10 for the Deploy Scramblers. So that was a good 80, 52 win um, against um, a really nice guy and a really nicely painted army as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, you did really well there because that's, that's, that's pretty... As war dogs can be pretty tricky, um, especially like, like like with that huge combat night running at you. So um, I think you did really well to kind of like like bounce through all all of the traps that they kind of like lie in front of you. So yeah, well, well done, well done. Thank you. Mate. I think there's obviously a bit of luck in that night failing its charge that made it into the lines. With that, I've gone through a couple of towers probably, but I guess you make your own luck by deploying in certain ways and yourself into different situations so the next game i went up against adam and his necrons so he was running obviously this is um pre-space marines and new necron codexes um he had a very sort of varied list now he had something which i guess you'll probably see a lot of going forward he had the nightbringer and deceiver he had really large units of lich guard like 10 of those he had um Two of the Doomsday Arcs, one of the uh, the normal arcs, um, a few Scarabs, some Warriors and Mortals, and um, some of the new Scorpet guys as well, who came in to sort of infiltrate, and they are quite scary. Um, I chose Engagement Fronts to play Scramblers and bring it down, because I thought I'd be able to work on them, and he took Linebreaker, because uh, obviously I had his plan to bring his guys in my back lines, bring it down, because everyone takes bring it down against Trakari. And he took, whilst we stand, we fight, which was the Deceiver and two Doomsday Arcs. Um, now, I went first, and this is the first time I'd gone first in about seven games, because obviously no retreat, I didn't go get the roll off in any of them. Um, so it's quite refreshing, actually, but obviously using the Deceiver, he was then able to redeploy a lot of his units, and he actually brought his Lich Guard further forward and also um his arc as well so the guy if i shot that down the necron warriors would spill out into objective um now this is a very cagey first turn and he had his lich guard far forward and i felt i needed to deal with them but lich guards are crazy good now i failed to vect um one of his roles so i think he was able to reduce the damage on them uh he was able to pump up their invon and i really really struggled to bring them down um if I'd affected um, one of his stratagems, I would have gone through them, but I didn't, so I wasted a lot of firepower on them. Um, but I did move some other stuff up the board. I still had uh, Incubi in reserve as well. Uh, so the first turn was quite cagey. He shot back, he downed a few bits and pieces, um, and it was 5-5. Five, five. And then this was a really strange game where I didn't think I was going to do well in this, but it was... What I've been doing a lot of recently is just learning when to frame objects and secure troops away. Um, and I was able to keep doing this by using the, the racks. Um, I had a unit of racks up the back who survived quite luckily. So they had Black Cornucopian and they weren't deemed a threat. But then in the next turn, they were then able to move, um, advance, fire the Ossifactor, and then fire and fade on the objective. I was able to keep taking objectives off him. Um, and also keeping enough for myself. So the game went 15-5 to me, then 15-5 to me in the next couple of battle rounds. Um, and I did okay with occasional fronts. I was doing that quite well. 
deploy scramblers. Um, again, I managed to max that. Bring it down was a really bad choice. Um, but I was lucky that I was able to squeeze the win out 58-44. So it was quite, quite a tight game, really. Um, but this one was not about trying to shoot stuff. It was about maneuverability. Um, the big, the biggest clutch moment is I had a Dark Tech Monsters Venom, which was hanging back, and I was able to move that so it's closest to Scorpec Lord. And obviously, they don't really have, you know, the, the toughness. But I don't care about that. I was a winning on a three plus. Um, they got a decent amount of wounds, but I was able to shoot that off the board with one Venom. Uh, and then the Incubi were then able to then come in and deal with the other guys as well. So that was a big turning point. And I think one point I had it nailed down as a loss and I was very lucky to turn it around. So um, a decent win in game two. So two out of two. How did you find these Scorpec uh, Destroyers? Like, they're awesome models, but they're all because of the new rules. They're, they're nice, aren't they? They're really good, but if you shoot them enough, they will die. They never actually got a chance to swing into my Ravagers and Duke. I think if they actually did make it in there and took that objective, uh, I would have lost that game. So going into game three, the last of the first day, I had sweeping clear and I was playing against Simon and his sister, the battle. Now, this was a very interesting list. I didn't feel unconfident going into it, but I didn't feel confident either because I don't think I've beaten sisters in their latest incarnation. Uh, sweeping clear is one of my favorite missions and it was and there's two sort of decent l's in the middle as well um and i felt that so normally for sweeping clear i always take the um direct assault secondary because i find it really easy any any secondaries which require getting objectives at the end of your turn are quite good but i looked at his list i noticed the amount of vehicles and obsec i looked at mine and i felt I, I felt it was a bit of a trap. I don't think I was able to do it. So like normally against custodies or other armies where I played this mission, I always find it quite easy just to feed some troops just to steal the objective off to make sure I get it, whereas I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. So I did avoid it. Um, but I think he had a similar mindset to me, but knew he could do it, so he did take it. Um, so for this, I went engage your fronts, deploy scramblers, bring it down because of the amount of vehicles he had. Um, and he went for direct assault, deploy scramblers as well. And bring it down, of course. Now, this was a very, very interesting game. Simon was a very good player and a really nice guy as well. He had in his list uh, Saint Celestine, um, Canoness, and some, a few other characters. Uh, Assassinate probably would have been a good choice, but I didn't go for that in the end. He also had you know, mortar factors, who are actually quite scary when they get into you. Um, two rhinos full of Sisters Repentia, who are very, very punchy. He had two exorcists. And he had numerous other sisters' units who flows around the board, as well as, I think, uh, one or two units of Seraphim. Um, now, this was an interesting game in the sense that he went first. I think if I went first, I would have felt that I'd be able to move into control. Now, I deliberately avoided the middle because I knew there was no point going into that. I kept my sort of talus hanging back. Um, but what I did is I managed to survive. I vectored, I think, one of the exorcist stratagems in the first turn. Um, and I think all I lost, so I kept the Reaper survive. The Reaper was really, really important. Um, and what I did in my turn is I focused down a Rhino, which was on one of the objectives, which was full of um, 
Repention. And what I did is I shot the Rhino down and I killed all the Repention inside. I just couldn't finish off the um, the character with the whip, but that doesn't really matter because I still had uh, two Venoms there as well. Um, and the Reaper almost killed an Exorcist. I think I took it down to uh, two wounds. Um, no, I ignore me. I killed. I took it down to two wounds and then Ravager finished off um, the Exorcist, but it was in the following turn where it couldn't get through the Rhino because um, what George was discussing earlier is uh, one of the orders where Feel No Pain um, is really, really clutch, and I think you see most sisters players running this. Um, it was a really, really tight game going forward afterwards, where I was able to get into his lines with Black Cornucopians, and deploy Scramblers. He was able to land his Seraphim in my lands and deploy scramblers um but what i found a really good tactic which i started doing at no retreat was putting my incubi into strategic reserve which meant they were able to start in combat and just cut the sisters down and it also moved into saint celestine um i made um i went through the other exorcist a little later on uh the mortar factors and the repentio eventually made it into my lines the Mortar Factor's really good, but they weren't that good against Talos. They bounced off them just because of the high toughness and the armor save that I have. Uh, and the Repentia came into me, but I did uh, use a Vexator Mask and it was Strike Last. So I was able to punch all the Repentia before they got to attack. And then the next turn, I dealt with a lot of the Mortar Factors. So if, if this was like a 10-turn game, I probably want, would have won for Attrition. Um, it was yeah, a massive sort of blood fest. Um, Engagement fronts, I did very well. We got four turns in on this, and I got eight points for engagement fronts. I did 10 for deploy scramblers. I finished bring it down because of the mortar factors being so easy to kill in that sense. Um, direct assault, he was able to just max it every turn. Deploy scramblers, he did. Bring it down, he did. Um, but where I lost it eventually was just on the primaries, that he was able to get more obsec on there, that he just had more obsec units. Um, and I think that was quite a big learning point for me in the game where I realised only having four troops for me probably wasn't enough. Um, so that was a 53-67 loss, but a really, really close tight game. And I guess I never felt it was unwinnable. I think on another day I might have won it, but he won it on that day and he played very, very well. But it's a really fun game and a big eye-opener for myself. Yeah, the new, the new sisters are... I say new sisters, I mean, they've been out for almost a year now, but they are really, really good. Um, I think they're, they're a really interesting army. I think it's because they're, they're relatively new and they're very uncommon because obviously before before they got their big revamp, um, you couldn't really get them and they were very expensive to collect. But now that they're made out in plastic, I think you're going to see more of them. Um, and I think that they play quite similar to Dark Elder in a way it feels. It feels like they can... Do a lot of a lot of what we do, which is MSU, um, and just building redundancy by taking lots and lots of small units that all do a good job each, and then when you combine them all together, they can really focus armies down and pick them apart. Um, but I think you played it well, mate. I think, as I said, I think a rematch on another day, you might have had him. Yeah, hundred percent. And again, like I said, it was a really enjoyable game as well. Uh, going into the second day, I started off against Thousand Sons, an army which I haven't faced for quite a while. Uh, the guy's name was Billy, and he was really nice. I say everyone's really nice, but for the most part, I'm quite lucky that most people I play are really good. I tend to play one more on a year, uh, but I don't think I have done in 2020. 
this was priority target. Um, and I chose priority target because it's, it's actually the first time I've played this mission out of all the games of Nightfall I've played. Uh, priority target is um, one of the easiest missions to score the secondary on, um, which we both picked and we both maxed it. It was that easy. Um, I went for engaging all fronts um, and deploy scramblers. He went for bring it down and he went for whilst we stand we fight because his army is built to survive that. So his was like a weird mix of Zench and the obligatory Nurglings in there as well. So he had the impossible chicken who I believe wasn't impossible impossible um, because I don't think he had every gift going on him. He had Araman, he had... Uh, two Vindicators, he had a Scorpius, which is ridiculous. He had a lot of random units, like he had like two units of Flamers, a unit of Furies, two units of Nurglings, massive unit of 20,000 Suns, which was very difficult to deal with, as well as some other smaller units of 1,000 Suns as well. Um, going into this, I went first. Um, now, what I was able to do is zoom some Venoms up the side, and Nurgans don't like multiple damage, so I was able to go through the Nurgan bases very quickly, and I put some Venoms onto into the middle just to try and bait some early charges and some get some movement going. Um, the Reaper managed to get line of sight on the Chicken, and I brought that down to four wounds, so I managed to roll, um, I think, five shots and... I wanted to maximise the amount of damage that I could do. And I got lots of wins through to it. He failed his saves. Um, he went to re-roll one. I vectored that. So I just wanted to make sure that I was getting through as much as possible. Um, and yeah, so he went down to four wounds, which made him hide his chicken for the rest of the game. It didn't really do much. It was, it was casting spells where he could get three re-rolls. But it was never in my lines. It was never approaching me. So it felt like... It was quite a good early neutralization. The Vindicators shot me quite a lot and hurt Scorpius because they can fire uh, out of line of sight were really, really good. I was able to keep pressing on his Flamers. Um, so I managed to go 10-5 in the first turn. Um, engagement fronts, I was pushing quite a lot to try and get as much in that as I could. Um, and again, I kept sort of moving around backfields picking off these little units so uh, by about turn three i'd already killed all the nerglings all the flamers all the little things um and i was trying to bring the vindicators down my ravages uh, and the reaper but i was also bleeding you know sort of losses myself at the same time um what it boiled down to was again using the cabalites to to be thrown around on subjectives but also Drizar managed to survive, and Drizar was very lucky in a sense that he managed to go into the big unit of Thousand Sons, which I had been whittling down, um, and he managed to kill a lot of them, not all of them, um, but enough to make them less of a threat. Uh, I couldn't get through to Araman because he's still on his lines, he had a Thousand Sons with him, uh, but like I said, the chicken hid. Um, and turn three, I was very, very close uh, to call in the game that I knew that whilst we were saying we fight is going to score 15 um, I didn't feel that I'd be able to do much to it um, and lo and behold a Dark Set of Monsters Venom uh, popped round the corner of a building so he could see his wing 
and shot him and did his last four wins, which was absolutely massive, like such a clutch moment. Um, really turned the game on its head. It meant that he could max uh, whilst we stand with fight only at 10. Um, again, it was bringing me um, another objective because he was, fr- he was you know, sat behind a building, but he was sat near an objective, which meant I couldn't go too close to it, otherwise I was going to get smited. Um, and it was massive. It effectively, you know, no spoilers, but one win a game. Um, so we got down to the nitty gritty and it was 71-70. Now, I haven't had as close a game of 40k for a long, long time. Um, and it came down to me being able to spread my army out um, quite a lot in the last uh, bit, which is why I was able to grab lots and lots of table courses. But it was... Um, a really fun game. He was really kind. He let me do a charge, which I forgot with my Lamian, um, which, you know, in those sort of moments and like, you know, the, the last turn is such a tight game. You don't often see that, but that allowed the Lamian to then tie up the Vindicator, which meant that Vindicator, it's only like a few wounds, so it wasn't going to do too much damage, but that might have, you know, downed one of my last sort of uh, Ravagers and such. But um, super, super tight. Really, really nice guy. But, um, a massive win, massive win for me. Like you know, I'd rather win like that than sort of table someone or you know be table like those close games. Or if I'd have lost that sixty-nine seventy, it would have been just as good as a game. Yeah, nice one, dude. Yeah, because when you when you told me that list, I was like, I have literally run that list before. Um, like I I own like two Scorpiuses. I have the Lord of Change, like Windface, my my fancy chicken. Um, Furies are great. They're they've got the infantry keyword and they've got flies, so they can do actions. The flamers have got mortal wound stratagems. Like that list is like you look at it and you go, I have no idea what anything does. But it's a really cool list. Like like well done for playing it like how you did, because you definitely you definitely played like the crap out of your army to to do that. Um yeah, yeah, man. That that's a that's a really good win there. Thank you, mate. So that meant I was on three wins and a loss going to my last game. And I played against a guy called Wayne. Now, I've known Wayne on the tournament circuit in the UK for many, many years. And he's always a really cool guy to talk to. Um, and we finally played. So he was running his Adeptus Mechanicus. He had um, a lot of breaches. Now, we were playing the Mission Escapes Me, but it's the one where it's like Hammer and Anvil but it's like the smaller deployment zone. So he had too many models to actually fit on there, which was uh, good for me, but it meant that he just had so much on the board. Uh, he had three units of the horses, which were really, really cool. I love the models. Uh, and he had two of the bombers as well. Um, and he had lots and lots of breaches, as well as two of the Scorpius um, disintegrator tanks. Is that what they're called? I can't remember. Um, now, this was a really interesting game in the sense that he threw his horses forward because uh, they get to uh, move before the game starts. Um, now, what happened is he shot me a lot. The breaches came on and shot. Now, we, I think we did about three turns before we called this. Um, now, if I went first, Wayne thought I would have won, um, but he went first and his horses came forward um, and his breaches were out of range. The bomber did some bombing. Um, and then I moved forward. And I 
kill teams of horses where I use you know lots of my firepower is where you know sort of dark techno monster and the liquefies really came into its own um, and Drazar made some charges as well just to finish one of the units off um, because it's domination it's quite hard to get objectives and especially on this um, this mission not too many of them um, and I was able to put them on zero um, and then he put me on zero and I put them on zero, and so we didn't score any primaries in the whole game at all. Uh, we both had engagement fronts, we both did that, we both did deploy scramblers, um, but where the game was lost is he had bring it down, um, and he maxed that, and I had bring it down, and I only managed to score seven. Um, so it was a loss of 33-30. Um, really tight. The amount of firepower which Admet can do is extraordinary. Um, but it was an eye-opener for my list against them. Um, but again, if I went first, I felt I could have taken it. I think I needed that extra board control just to push the horses back um, and order to focus them down. Um, but a really, really interesting game um, and um, an interesting event in the sense that no single player went 5-0. and um, So there's a lot of players on 4-1 and one in the contention for it and Wayne actually won it as well. So... Uh, if I'd have beaten Wayne, I think due to how the, the secondary scoring worked, I probably would have podium, him, but I wouldn't have won it. Um, but it was good to see Wayne win that event as he really deserved that. It was a really good game um, and a really, really good event. Uh, really well run. Very, very COVID secure. Ricky, the TA, was very clever with his use of QR codes. So he created QR codes which linked to, uh, to Google Sheets. So for anything where you wanted to vote for sportsmanship or vote for painting, etc., you just scan the QR code with your phone as well. Um, the the hall was extremely, extremely spacious. Uh, there's a one-way system. Again, hand sanitizer everywhere you looked as well. Um, you weren't allowed to have lunch in the hall. You had to leave the hall during lunchtime. There's no like congregating. Um, only one toilet in use. Uh, but never sort of was an issue in that sense. So... Um, again, really good event, well run in that sense. And I did take an award home. Um, so I've been there before and I've sort of placed in the painting. I've won the judges' choice, uh, but this year I was very, very lucky and humbled enough to receive Players' Choice uh, Best Painted Army, which is my first painting all the night. And very, very happy to receive that. I don't make painting awards are always. Uh... Always good. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it was uh, really close. Those last two games sound like you were um, really, really fighting for it. And killing a chicken has got to be like an accolade. I think if we were playing a computer game, that would definitely be like a, a ping achievement of uh, killing the unkillable chicken. So that, that deserves some credit. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a really good event. And, and getting five games in a tournament setting is always worth like so much experience and, and, and you learn so much from them. Um, do you think like going playing them now? Do you think you would change anything about your tournament list, or uh, without like changing the whole thing? Are there any kind of small amendments you would make? I think having done no retreat, having done lots of random pickup games, um, but having done this um, and a lot of sort you know theory hammer, as it were, not math hammer, but just you know working out what I'm going to face. Um, but what I've learned a lot this edition is how to play games on my own in the sense that you can win games without killing the opponent as long as you can get objectives. And that's what I've really focused on and learnt a lot about my list. Um, the Reaper has is a unit which I thought about dropping a lot, 
like the Reaper, you know, has the opportunity to one-shot units, and it did really, really well in that game. It didn't do too well against the um, against the Necrons, but instead of firing the big um, the big gun against the the Arcs, I was able to use the two D six damage too because that was actually you know more effective against that target. The Ravagers are up for debate, but then the Ravagers did work in a lot of the games. That, you know, yes, your damage two is replicated by the Venoms, but it's it's actually that minus the minus three, um, especially the risk of the Living Mies is really really important. Um, Trezar as Warlord, I think, is here to stay for me. I do miss the command points. It feels like I'm missing a Vect again, but the ability to reroll wounds. He was clutch. He went through so many units where he, he might have done you know a lot of damage but i don't think he would have done as well as he did um duke was great duke was duke um the the lamian was good what i'm starting to think about is where i'm missing points and i'm not confident in getting 15 points out of engagement with france and i think i might look at more court of the archon now i really enjoyed having two in the games in the retreat um and i'm thinking about how i can go for two maybe even three even four um just more units where i can look at the idea of line breaker i can look at you know trying to make sure i get engagement fronts every turn. if people want to go for attrition they can that's not an issue for me because i can hide them and bring them on on mass on turn three and try and sort of react to that um it's definitely something that i'm going to look at in my list going forward um I really, really enjoyed having Ossifactors and Phantasm Grade launches on all of my troops. Uh, having an extra troop unit compared to my list in the retreat was very good. The Talos, I was really debating dropping, but then the Talos are just such an anchor and a linchpin. It's like, you know, I keep joking, you call them the 2018 meta because, you know, everyone knows how to deal with them, but they're still so fearsome, especially with the Vexator, Homunculus, and Drazar going along with them. Um, and the Dark Technomancer the Venoms really came into their own in that. Um, again, if I was dropping the session, it still would always be Dark Technomancers. I think there's more for me in Black Hearts and Prophets than them. Um, but I felt that they supplement the list. Uh, the Incubi are definitely up for debate, but they have been doing work as well. Um, so I think at the moment, the, the, the change to the list is very trivial in the sense that it's probably a Ravager gets traded out for another Venom and another unit of Suicide Racks because they're very useful. But I think it's... I'm quite happy with the list. I don't know if it's going to win events at the moment. But again, I think Drakari are in limbo. We know we've got the Forge World book coming this year. Uh, and I think it certainly relies on us knowing how the Reaper is going to perform going forward. And even potentially the Tantalus. I think it's just a case of seeing out this current you know, weird COVID method that we have. Um, and also learning how to take on Marines and Necrons again. Yeah, definitely, mate. It's a good good synopsis. I've been looking at um, <clears throat> looking at the Court of the Archons. Obviously, I generally take an Eric in every list um, just because it's really useful for um, Action Monkey, basically. Um, but it is it is worth considering taking like a good a good two or three, um, not necessarily Eric's, but two or three Court of the Archons just because they're, those cheap single models can still perform actions and still count for things like engage on all fronts, um, deploying scramblers and, and raising banners on, on the missions where that's appropriate. Um, so yeah, good good stuff. But yeah, I do agree the 
now I've sort of I've moved away and I've playtested dropping the Talos um, because I wanted to try something new. Uh, but I am more thinking that you you do need that anchor. Um, and like yeah, they're not as big a threat and they're easier to kill than they used to be. But they do provide that anchor that anchor point to your army that the rest of your army can swing around. Um, and it's something that it forces your opponent to deal with them. Like they have to deal with the Talos, otherwise the Talos are going to mess them up. So um, by doing that, that's worth um, worth quite a bit of value in a tactical sense. So. The other elements I'm looking at bringing in is um, there's a conversion I really want to do for the Incarn with a greater gearing, as I like to call it, using the Sephirinx, is that what it's called, from Age of Sigma? Um, and I think the Incarn has a lot of opportunity to be very, very good at Jakari. I just don't know how to fit it in with all the Talos. Uh, it definitely relies on particular builds. I've been talking to Joe you know, a bit about this, and he thinks it relies on elite bikes. doesn't think Reavers are good enough for it. He thinks probably you need um, Sky Weavers from the Harlequins to make it perform well so you can wrap it. Um, but at the same time, the idea of using four court archons or models, we don't have to sacrifice Urgles, you know, in the lines, and then the Incarn pops up and blinks around. Um, it's interesting. I, I feel like I'm missing the guile of my witches, um, and I can't really replicate that. Um, but it feels like if I had the Incarn, I'd have a bit more some shadow tactics, as it were. Um, and Evrain interests me as well because I love the model. Um, it's really unthematic to run her alongside the Talos, but I think that's where she would shine very well. Um, and th there's still some missions where I, I suffer with secondaries. I think I was quite lucky in this event. I never really sort of struggled to pick um, my third secondary, but the access to the um, psychic powers ones would probably be quite useful as well. Um, and again, I miss witches. I really want to try and bring them back, but I don't know how at the moment without sacrificing something important for my list. Okay, everyone, so I hope you enjoyed that real space raid. We are going to go into our next segment, which is our much loved question and answer segment, which we've brought back due to popular demand. So we are going to go through the questions that we received on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We have 25 questions and we're going to try and get as many in as possible. We are going to start off with a question from David Goff. He says, looking for some tips on squeezing an efficient army in a 1,000 point list. 2,000 is much more roomy. I agree. George, what do you think about this? Um, so I think the way to go is um, you can only really do kind of mono sub-faction, I think, in a 1,000 points to get the most out of it. It's really hard to squeeze in a, a full raiding force. I think you're looking at either a single battalion or a patrol. Um, on their own, I think uh, you're really looking at Carbolites or um, Coven. Um, Cabal, really, if you're like a starting army, I think the Cabal are the way to go to start out for Dark Elder. They give you a feel for what they're, what they're like. Um, it's easy to kind of um, build redundancy in that by bringing a combat element with the Incubi and Drazar, um, and then a shooting element with like minimum squads and Venoms and uh, obviously Ravagers and the Flyers. It's quite easy to fit a, a relatively decent amount of that in a thousand point list. Um, for Coven, I think you would um, either go Dark Technomancer with a similar build, but putting in Reapers um, and Dark Technomancer Venoms and Racks with liquefier guns. 
um, or go Prophets of Flesh and go for the sort of meat shield tanky builds with um, Talos and uh, Rax to hold objectives. Um, I think uh, it's good to note that um, like our friend Skari, uh, just I think literally today, dropped a, a revamped video of his How to Collect Dark Elder um, video on YouTube that's really worth a watch. I watched it myself earlier, um, and he really, really breaks it down um, for all the all the all the sub factions and how to build an army and like what a competitive list looks like and what he thinks about. And I, I really advise anyone to go and have a look at that. It's a really good thing to it's a really good tool to use to kind of point you in the right direction um, of what you'd like. Um, and as as anything, really, like this is just kind of you could collect which cult. The main rule is. What are the models and units you like to use? What are the models and units you want to collect and paint? Buy those, basically. But um, yeah, I think if you were speaking from like a gameplay point of view, I think Cabal or Coven are the way to go for a thousand point game. I would also suggest you go back a few episodes and see how Dom won a one thousand point tournament with his list. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna re-listen to all of our podcasts. Please do. Okay, so question two is from Steve Smith. Hey, Archons, really enjoying the pod. What's your take on the Beastmaster and how to maximise their impact on the game? Any tips, tricks, or shenanigans? At 45 points with Agonizer, are there attacks to get free beast slots and be an easy allocation for the Splintermine drug? Will they only ever buff beasts, or do they have some hidden potential I can't see in and out of themselves? Keep raiding. Now, I believe Skari is using a Beastmaster a lot at the moment because he is enjoying his raising flocks. I know a few competitive players, some over in Sweden, are getting quite a lot out of Unari raising flocks. So I think I don't think there'd ever be a reason to take a Beastmaster on his own. Um, and I don't know how good beasts are to be looking to unlock them. Um, and again, you, you know, you, unlocking one just to try and um, spread out your drugs I don't think it's probably worth it and I think we did talk a lot about beasts um, being you know while they're voted some of the worst units in Drakari Codex and how they fix them um, Dom and George is there anything that you can see like any sort of hidden tips or shenanigans or reasons to use a Beastmaster at the moment yeah you go on George uh, I don't think so I think he's pretty cut and dry um like it's long, long gone are the days of the beast, the beast star, the bark star. Um, I think Scari's really got the the main one, which is to unlock the razor wing flocks to help with screening, um, soaking up wounds, um, and and holding objectives. Basically, uh, so you you could go to if you really want to use beasts. I think the best way to go is in an Anari detachment um, to unlock the Incarn and the Shield of Iniad spell. Um, which will give your um, birds a five-up invul and uh, the feel-no-pain save from the Incarn, uh, I think is is kind of like the best way to go. And then they become actually surprisingly durable. Um, but as far as the Beastmaster, no, he's pretty much there. And I think I think you said it in your question, like really just given the Splinter Mind drug, um, he can help screen out from Deep Strike and stuff like that. He's, he's a relatively cheap character. Um, and he just he'll just be able to help you with like engage on all fronts and things like that because he moves relatively quickly um, and he can keep up with the birds and and buff them a little bit. Uh, but no, I don't think there's any kind of hidden secrets with him that I'm aware of. 
Our next question is from Jason Kilby, who says, any tips or benefits to using the Obsidian Rose Obsession? Now, this is an obsession which doesn't see too much play, um, but it used to see a bit of play pre-Legends, um, because if you don't realise, Obsidian Rose adds plus six to a lot of your guns. Um, now, what this is very good at is adding range to blasters, um, and I know people that have used several Archons with blasters, uh, and you hide these in Venoms, like they can be in your Black Heart Venoms, but then their blasters are shooting at 24-inch range, um, and I think you can still probably replicate that. Uh, I know Dom touched earlier upon Shredders being useful to counter Necrons. Uh, the Shredders are never bad, but obviously trying to get into range can be difficult, but if you are looking at your Shredders being 18 inches or you know, making your blasters and your Cavalite Warriors uh, be 24 if you're trying to play the long game. I think there's some play in that. What do you think, George? Um, yeah, I think so. I think the, the problem with the Obsidian Rose is they're not inherently bad. It's just you're competing with uh, Flayed Skull and, and particularly Blackheart, which are just inherently very, very good. Um, like if you're going for a Venom's Band, then... Uh, Flayed Skull kind of wins over and just generic for fire support and utility, Black Heart kind of wins out. Um, I think the Obsidian Rose were really, really good before uh, Trueborn became Legends and you could have like units of like four Shredders or four Blasters in a Venom um, with a decent range. Um, I do think there's a little bit of play in putting Obsidian Rose Carbolite Warriors inside alternative vehicles. So for instance, having like 10 man squads inside a Dark Technomancer Raider um would be would be quite good because you can still stay at a, at a reasonably safe range and and put fire support down um because obviously you could put like shredders in there which would push them up to 18 inches your um uh rapid fire splinter rifles are then rapid fire at 15 inches so that's kind of a similar kind of range so um there is a bit of play there but i think unfortunately due to the nature of our, how, how points tight we are um, you would probably choose Blackheart over it in a competitive setting. But if you wanted to use Obsidian Rose because that's the way you painted your army and that's, that's what you want to use, then that's kind of the way I would, I would look at using them is to maximize your Carbolite Warrior fire support, but maybe put them in alternative vehicles um, from like a Dark Technomancer detachment or um, a Blackheart detachment maybe as well. So that's the way I would go. Does it work on pistols? No, unfortunately not. That's that's one of the. If it did, then that would be a gold mine because you would just have um, like the blast pistol upgrade on all your carbolites. But um, unfortunately, no. It's it's just um, assault and rapid fire weapons and heavy weapons. Sorry, um, it's, it's basically all range weapons besides pistols. So next question is from Roger Stewart. He says maybe you could talk about ways that you convert to grotesques, given that the official model isn't really suitable for building whole squads out of. Um, I believe all of us have converted grotesques. Uh, I used the Jellifox Infected, uh, the Hulks, um, for some of mine, and I also used the Vargeist. The Vargeist are not Vargeist, are they? The... I think it's, it's one box that makes about four kits and grotesques, <laughs> like if you combine and it with grotesque. Yeah, well, um, My biggest yeah. fear is that when grotesques are eventually released, no one will buy them because everyone's converted them already. I haven't actually converted any. Um, I've, 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 I was one of the saps that bought eight of the fine cast ones uh, for the grotesque reformation in an earlier edition. So. I've seen 
people convert them out of ogrens um, and the ogre kingdom models as well. Um, I really like the look of the new Goliath sort of brute guy for Necromunda. He looks like he'd make a perfect grotesque as well. Um, I think Chaos Spawn, Demon Princes, there, there's lots and lots of different models. Joe made some really cool ones out of Jesus of the Cult. Uh, aberrants. I've seen some really nice ones made out of Wolfen to reference some of the cool short stories where the homunculi steal space wolves to experiment on. Um, and I looked a while ago at using the Galvorback or Valgorback, one of the two, uh, to make sort of you know, different space marines. But uh, an idea I haven't visited yet. Yeah, I really like Joe's um, ones from his Gene Cult, um, and I copied him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought I thought they were awesome because I I did mine at the Crypt Horrors. I thought they were really cool. Um, but then when when I saw what he did with, uh, I think he did like ten in like a, just like a week. It's a Joe beast. Paint so quickly, so I know. Quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah I copied them. I, I had to. They were so cool. You probably wouldn't have known this, Dom, coming into um, Dark Elder in Eighth Edition. But grotesque used to actually have a unit champion called an aberration. Um, but disappeared in the last codex. Next question from Mark Mooney is, would you say running Dark Creed slash Broken Sigil Cabal, uh, Dark Murph plus Webway Raiders for overlapping leadership defi deficit has any viability in Ninth Edition? Dom, what do you think? I think it can be good. I mean, it's very, I think it's quite situational. Um, I mean, it's going to make uh, like... Like the um, Phantasm Grenade Launcher stratagem, like come off better, but um, leadership's always a bit weird. Like, because I'm um, I'm a Chaos, uh, I've got a Chaos Night Lord's army, and I wish, just wish they made the terror tactics good. Um, it's it's just one of those funny things that I don't think they're ever gonna get. Like, they're never gonna be able to make something like be scared. Um, I mean, I I would love love if they brought like almost like a paralyzed rule into into it where if like you roll where if you're within like six inches of like a night lord's unit, I'm so using that example, um, that it would like if you don't roll under, you you just can't do anything for that turn. Um, but until they get something like that, I mean, I'm not actually thinking that leadership is actually that viable. To be honest, just go for something else. Um, but yeah, I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you used the word situational, where I think any tactic or sort of army composition that relies on being situational probably isn't the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think with the changes to leadership, uh, that build, it, it doesn't work at the moment because you have to put so many points into it to get the overlapping debuffs to minus your opponent's leadership. Um, and at most, you're gonna you're gonna get rid of one model from failing the leadership, and then combat attrition tests. Um, they're gonna lose another another couple, depending on the size of the, the size of the unit. I, I just don't see it that viable at the moment. Um, I do think that going forward, GW will be um, bringing certain armies or factions or, or chapter tactics and stuff that will um, impact on combat attrition tests. I, I fully expect. Uh, armies like night lords and maybe specific um dark elder covens or something having an ability where you fail attrition tests on ones and twos or something um and that would be really interesting in the future but as we see it now 
I, I just don't think it's worth worth the investment of points to try and do it. You, you'll see so little return from it that it's not really worth it, in my opinion. Um, Chris Shaw asks, any tips on using the Dark Kin in the Yonari Force? I really want to go Yonari, but I'm struggling on what I should add in. I've never played with Yonari in Ninth. Has anyone else? Um, I have tried Yonari in Ninth and planning on doing it a bit more. So... Um... Yeah, so I think um, Inari are an interesting one. I think at most you're going to take a patrol um, uh, and, and add it to like a battalion of your core unit, your core army, uh, whether that's Carbolites or Coven, basically. Um, I think the Incarn we've mentioned earlier is a really interesting model uh, in, in the dynamics of how Ninth plays, and I'm really keen to playtest them a lot more, uh, mainly because the, the model's beautiful um and and my paint job is is perfect uh so i I just want to see him on the board as often as possible and get all those juicy compliments to feed my ego uh but i think as far as anari detachments go there's a few standout units that really benefit from being anari incubi being the main one so um being anari you have access to um, a reroll to wound stratagem for two cp uh, you can pick a unit and uh, any Inari unit fighting that unit in combat gets to reroll all wounds. Now, the wording on this is really interesting because it's it's not failed wounds, it's it's all wound rolls. So with Incubi, that works particularly well because you can fish for sixes, which become flat three damage. Um, so against certain targets where you really want to put the hurt on them, that stratagem becomes very, very potent. Um, also, because Incubi don't have obsessions, you're not really losing anything. You're just you're losing access to the onslaught stratagem. But I would quite happily trade onslaught for reroll all wounds um, like every day. Um, and what's more important is also for one CP, you can select up to three incubi units to gain the strength from death uh, ability, which means if anything dies, they get strike first, and if they charge, they get plus one to hit. So suddenly you get incubi that are all hitting on twos, um, pretty much all game long, to be honest. Um, and get strike first, which is a very, very important ability with activation in ninth, because uh, now the defending player gets to choose the first unit. So strike first becomes even more powerful just because of the way sequencing works. So definitely, definitely look at Incubi. They still benefit from Drazar's buff. So you can have Drazar in your Dark Elder detachment. Um, and if he's within six of an Anari Incubi, they still benefit from the plus one to wound. Um, you also get access to some psychic powers like they have Unbind Souls, which is like Doom, but in melee, so it's another way for Incubi to reroll wounds. And the reroll wounds mechanic also really benefits other units in our codex that are quite weak. Um, have some uses, but uh, I'm mainly thinking about witches. So obviously, if you have a patrol, you have to have a troop choice. So I've been looking at having uh, a witch unit as my troop choice, either going really small, just a five-man unit, just to keep it cheap, just to activate the Incubi, or I really want to try out trying to resurrect the uh, Witch Bomb, which we're all a big fan of. For those of you who don't know, it's basically a squad of sort of 15 to 20 Witches. Uh, you put them in the webway, uh, so they deep strike on turn two or three. Um, but at that point, they'll be able to re-roll their charge roll due to power from pain, which they still keep even though they're Inari. They also gain the strength from death ability, so they get strike first and plus one to hit when they charge, um, as long as something's dead. But you're playing Dark Elder, things are dying every turn, trust me. So, <laughs> um, there's always things dying. But um, So 
the the idea of that is you, you're getting like a whole load of attacks that are usually going to be like strength four because you take the comp plus one strength combat drug and then obviously you've got the two cp to re-roll to wound strat and now suddenly that that weight of attacks hitting on twos and re-rolling all wounds becomes an actual threat to a lot of targets so um, and then on top of that, you've still got the ability of the witches to hold things in combat with their shard that and there. So I'm really interested in trying that out um, just as a small detachment. And because you've got the Incarn in there, he uh, and it's an actual Anari detachment, it unlocks the stratagems for him to use. So you can use things like, I forgot the name of it, but it's their version of, I think it's, I think it's Deceptive Misdirection or something like that. Or cruel, our version of it is Cruel Deception, which basically is 2CP. Um, when that unit falls back, they can behave normally, so he can fall back and charge, uh, which just gives him another bit of activation. Um, and also in the Inari detachment, it, uh, the the Reaver jet bikes work quite well in Inari um, because they get a little bit better in combat because of the reroll wounds and the pluses to hit, but they still are able to advance and charge by use of Iniad's net stratagem for two CP, so they can still move their twenty six inches and still charge afterwards, and they have a little bit more punch in combat. So. Um, that's something else I'm looking at. So that's the kind of the units I would look at if you're looking for like a Drakari Anari kind of detachment. Um, definitely Incarn. Evrain's very good, and um, the Vizarch's also quite good because he gives them he gives the Incubi reroll ones to hit in combat. So thanks for that, George. That was really comprehensive. Moving on to a very very good question from I can't pronounce your surname, Eric Kakase. If you could design Drakari secondary missions, what would you like to see? Now, this is a great question. I'm really excited to see the secondaries when we eventually get our codex. Um, Dom, what would you like to see? I would like to see some sort of like an alternate to engaging all fronts where maybe you have to get two units in each um, in each section. Um, or to be honest, anything that is going to benefit us with our maneuverability, um, because that is what we are. We're all about being maneuverability with, yes, some coven stuff, which gets us a bit tougher. But um, I really want to see stuff which can really like play to our like style of, of play. Um, I think that would be really important as well, because if, if it's going to be something like if you if your Archon does a shooting thing, kills something, does a leadership thing, and like if there's like multiple things that an Archon has to do in the turn, it's just not going to be that doable. Or well, depends how well depends how um, Archons and units are, are uh, like revamped or, or just restarted in a way in the new book. But um, yeah, I just I, I want something that we can we can actually put into our game plan because our secondaries at the moment we we pick engagement fronts and we pick scramblers um and then after that depending on we could i'd like to have a third one that we could almost automatically take i think going back to sort of you know the original dark elder codex i'd like to see the return of sort of capturing slaves um i don't know how you quite do that i think we could probably take quite a lot of inspiration from uh, the last uh, couple of um, renditions of the Maelstrom cards, like Death by a Thousand Cuts, whether it's a case of, you know, you have to kill a model from three different units each turn. Um, maybe something about staying in combat as well, which I guess would probably be like something to do with taking slaves. Like you, George? Yeah, definitely the, the slave capturing aspect I'd love to see uh, revised in, in a 
in a sort of secondary. I, I was thinking more like um, you could have a a standard role uh, similar to like a reverse reanimation protocol. So for every unit you kill in combat, you, every model you kill in combat, you roll a dice. Um, even if it's on like a say if you had a high roll, and then for every five models or ten models you capture, um, then you gain X amount of victory points. I think that would be pretty cool uh, to have like, as, a, as a rule, as a secondary option. So, you, so you're still killing things, you're doing what you would normally do in a game, but there's a chance of you to score extra points on it to represent you. Um, you could even call it like take them alive or something as a secondary. Um, and then like that represents you kind of capturing the people. Because that's the, that's the interesting thing about Dark Elder is their objective isn't like the planet you're on or the ground you've got or the fortress you've taken. It's it's you. You're their objective. They want you and they're going to take you back to Comera and do all kinds of nasty stuff to you. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. No one wants to go there. Tom Denton asks, if you had to spend an undisclosed period of time at the convenience and pleasure of one of the three factions within Drakari culture, which would it be and why? Um, now, I think the most obvious one you don't want to go to is probably the homunculi. You don't want to spend too much time in the obluettes. Um, and I don't really know. I don't think you, you don't want to spend time. You don't want to um, go to, you know, I say, Tom says pleasure, but I think in Drakari that means pain. Um, I think the witch cults, you know, they put you in an arena, make you fight beasts and prod you a lot. And the Kabbalites, they'd probably just, you know, the Archon would probably just get you turned into furniture. What, what would you um, prefer to do, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go anywhere, to be honest, because I feel like no matter where you go, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get, like, like, like prodded about. Um, or you're just going to be doing not very nice things to other people. Um, so I think I'll I'll be fine just doing their taxes. I think I'll I'll be the tax man if if they need me to do something. Because uh, if it was real life, these guys are pretty dark. You don't fancy being turned into a chair, then, Dom? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, I think for me, my uh, uh, my background is in science. So for me, I, I'd like to spend time with the Covens, but from a uh, learning perspective rather than a test subject perspective. Uh, so I've recently been reading the Man Flayer book for um, the, the Fabius Bile trilogy. Um, and it, it's quite interesting because like, there's, there's a few insights into like the Coven um, that play a part in the book. And I don't want to go into any spoilers or anything, but there's a few interesting chapters where the... Uh, various homunculi are, are meeting and talking and they discuss the sort of aspects of their knowledge uh, from a very scientific point of view like certain certain homunculi focus on how to regrow tissue very very well and others uh, focus on how to uh, bind muscles together to fuse bones and stuff like that so it's all very kind of scientific and analytical they don't even see their their, their subjects as kind of people or things they're just they're just like a, a piece of lab equipment to them um, which just goes to show the kind of arrogance of a coven lord. But I think from a scientific intrigue, you could learn quite a lot from a homunculi. It'd be horrific what you learn, uh, and you'd never be able to use it in, in, in an ethical standpoint. But, you know, it'd be quite fascinating. Now, this is a really interesting question from Patrick L. Whalen. 
I want to know your opinion on turn sequence as a pure Jakari player. What do your turns look like through a typical game? Do you have success of holding off until later game to make your key moves? Or do you try to kill as much as you can as quickly as possible? Uh, George, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, depends on the matchup. I think, generally speaking, um, in ninth, I've tried... I, I have personally tried to do too much. I've tried to be too aggressive, and I, I think that's where I'm going wrong. Um, I think playing for the full five turns, playing towards the end game, holding some stuff back is the way to go. Uh, not committing too much. I think the nature of the game is very high damage now. So committing too early means you're, you're going to get punished for it. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it does depend on the matchup. But obviously, if you're, if, you're, if you're playing a gun line army and your opponent's got pure, like pure melee, basically, then you're going to want to hit him hard early because you know in the late game he's going to get into your lines and he's going to chew you up. So um, it's, it's knowing your opponent and knowing what you've got as your strengths. But as always, using your often advantageous movement characteristic to control the engagement is the way to go. Yeah, I've definitely learned to hold back as much as possible. And it's a case of, you know, if you if you don't get engaged in your front first turn, then um, you know, it might be two points missed, but you might be sacrificing too much of your list. Uh, and obviously, you know, you can only max the primary at 45 points, but you do have four battle rounds to do that. So I wouldn't be too worried. As long as you're not sort of giving away, you know, 0 15 first turn. I wouldn't worry too much about not being able to get 15 straight away. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would add to add to what you guys just said is that I would play to set yourself up for your second turn and don't throw too much away in the first turn because it's not all about an alpha strike. Um, and typically when I play, I kind of bait a bait someone to do the wrong thing so if, if like if one of you listeners is playing me guaranteed that i will fling two two units of suicide racks inside a raider onto your objective burn the crap out of you and hope um hope that you destroy that and then the obsec falls onto your objective for when i get my second um, second turn and then whilst that's all going on, I'm, I've, I've positioned all my Venoms, all my Raiders, all my Ravengers ready for uh, ready for getting mid-board control turn two. So it's just you just gotta you just gotta think like do like do I need to like put everything like like into into the mid-board like now? Can I wait a turn? Um, yeah, you just gotta you just gotta be uh, be smart because. Um, some of the stuff's real fragile. Christopher Scrafton says, when is Games Workshop going to buy the rights to 101 Dalmatians and re-release Corella the Vile in all her glory? Um, now, Corella was one of the original special characters from the first Codex, and she never made it to 2010. Um, but she was a very, very interesting character. Now, she was the first appearance of the flayed skull. Uh, she led a unit called the Emasculators, and what she specialized in was, she had um, these weird like tubes in her wrists where she'd like suck out people's internal juices. 
Uh, I don't think she's very good in the game. Um, she had a, it's not the worst model ever, but it wasn't a good model. Um, but it was very famous um, for being painted in a particular way by adolescent boys because she was wearing a skin suit. Um, but a lot of people chose to paint it like a nudie lady with just certain sort of lines covering her parts, as it were. Um, but she was you know, a cool model. Um, I've seen some really good conversions of her recently. Um, someone's used the, the Dark Elf from um, Silver Tower, which with some conversions um, actually turns it into a very clever Corella. But uh, George, did you ever use her back in the day? Uh, no, I think at the time uh, Paddy was collecting Dark Elder, and he did he did use her. She could um, she gained an attack for every model she killed. So if you charged her into a bunch of Termagorns, which I was running at the time, Tyranids, um, and she could kill quite a few, and then she'd gain a lot of attacks, um, and 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 that was quite interesting. But um, yeah, like you said, it was a very kind of odd model in in that old school pose of like i'm standing still and my arms are flayed apart like i'm doing a flex um and she was wearing like a skin tight suit but a lot of people painted her like she was not wearing anything um but i think in the law she's actually dead so i don't see how they can bring her back because the current archon of the flayed skull um proper killed her and any kind of chance of bringing her back in the law so i don't think we'll see her anytime soon She's also from the time. She was also from the time when Games Workshop liked to use like random names, like sort of uh, mimicking pop culture. If you look at a lot of the um, old Lizardman names, like Tic Tac Toe and Grimlock from Transformers, there's lots of random names out there. Okay, we're into the Instagram questions now, and we have one from Scary himself, which is a cork of a question. I have a question. How would you describe your thought process of going into a tough matchup at a tournament? Now, this is something that we've all done. George, what do you do? Um, yeah, I really struggle. It's a really good question. Right? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I really focus on like how I deploy and how my opponent deploys. Um, I really look at the mission and I try to think about how I can score well on the mission and what my opponent can do to stop me um, and then how I can counter that basically um, yeah it's a really tough question I, I just try and break it down I don't I don't I try to treat every game like roughly the same like you sort of you break down like what your army has what your what your opponent's army has the primary threats to you uh, or like the primary threats to your sort of key units that you really want to keep alive for missions or for lethality or threat or whatever and then just try and break it down like that um yeah i don't, I don't really know how, how how my thought process is it all happens at once you kind of look at your opponent's army and you and you and you think to yourself what is he going to want to do and how do i stop him from doing that basically okay um, what about you don what, what do you do hopefully you've got a more comprehensive answer than mine um well I, I think it just comes down to asking questions. It, it seriously does, um, because you don't always know the tips and tricks um, to every single army out there. Um, so you gotta you gotta ask him like or her, um, you know, what's the range on that? 
can they the most important questions are i think there's only like five important questions you need to remember yeah so what what could potentially get first turn charges can anything null the boy can um uh, yeah so uh do you have a fight twice stratagem can you stop me from fighting if i charge you and what is your anti-vehicle um support and if you just go with those five questions you'll be able to um kind of like gauge their army and almost like a little checklist um just so you, you don't get like um like gazumped at any point um where you you like misdeploy something and oh my god there's a lord discordant that's just got a first turn charge off um so yeah you just gotta be aware of the other person's army and don't feel like you can't ask people questions just ask them and just know everything you need to know going into it because uh, you you can't know everything like like there's uh, like i like i make mistakes when i ask like oh what's i don't ask like what psychic powers does the do these do i just go yep yeah, cool. i assume i know what that does and then turns out it's like a thousand suns uh like like a like splash mortal wound um psychic power that catches you off and kills like a couple of things that you didn't think it would so um yeah just just go in uh like ask them what all you need to know about it so you don't you don't want to be playing your first turn and moving stuff about and then someone comes out of nowhere um so there's movement characteristics of units is very key as well and if they advance in charge um yeah just ask questions archon vigo says what stratagems do you guys use the most i recently started playing and i find it hard to use anything other than vect fire and fade and lightning fast reactions would love to hear the plan behind the use of different stratagems um now i have to agree with him that actually a lot of games i play it tends to be the first two turns um i will get two vex in so i will if there's like a a crazy, crazy good stratagem, which I need to make sure I save up for, um, and I'll save up for it. But generally, I will vex something in the first turn, and I'll save like a, a vital vex for the second turn. Um, but otherwise, at the moment, I use Fire and Fade a lot. Um, but do you know what I find? I'm not really using Lightning Fast Reactions anymore, um, because obviously the Venoms have it naturally built in. I'm not running the Flyers, and it's quite nice to make the Flyers minus two. Um, and I, don't, I can't use it on the Reaper because it's Coven. I don't really use it on the Ravagers. Um, I would say a stratagem that I'm using a lot right now is because I'm running Incubi and Drazar. Uh, so I use Onslaught quite a lot. But I don't really use many other stratagems, um, apart from obviously Black Corner Capians as well and Prophets of Flesh. Uh, what about yourselves? Uh, my favourite stratagem is actually um, Torment Grenade. Um, I think it's like a really cool little stratagem to just like get a couple of like wounds off here and there because all you need to do is get hit by the the phantasm grenade launcher and then you're off you're off hoping that you can roll over the leadership and it's it's just like a, a little smite which is uh, which is pretty handy um, but I I always use enhanced sails like uh, always to get my ravengers where they need to go or the raider where it needs to go and um, fire and fade. Yeah, I agree. Um, the ones previously mentioned, like Black Cornucopians and, and Fire and Fade, uh, big ones. Um, there are a few other like hidden gems, I think. I think Flesh Crafters is a big one for if you're running Talos to keep them alive a little bit longer, to heal D3 wounds if they're near your homunculus. Um, 
But two that I use quite a lot um, is Hunt from the Shadows, uh, which is really good on Incubi or Scourge for plus one to their armor save when they're in cover. So giving them a, um, a two-up armor, or in the case of an Incubi, a one-up armor, um, can help keep them alive a little bit longer uh, for one CP. Um, and there's also one that I've been uh, practicing with a little bit recently, um, which is the Red Grief-specific uh, stratagem. Um, I think there's one CP, and it's, I forget the name of it, but it basically, um, instead of consolidating, your Red Grief infantry, so your witches, can, um, part, can move uh, six inches towards the nearest Red Grief transport. Um, so what that means is you can use it uh, quite cleverly to advance, get your unit out of your vehicle, move them, um, advance them, charge something, uh, pile in, swing in combat, and then activate your stratagem to move six inches towards your transport instead of towards the enemy unit. Um, now, I've used this in a few games to move them. I've obviously moved the vehicle into a position where I can control where the witches can pile in um, and or where the witches can consolidate after they've swung. And you can consolidate in a way that if you really want to tie something up, you can mitigate the damage coming back to you by only leaving your Shardnet and Impaler in base to base and moving the other guys away from them so your opponent can't pile into all your witches, um, thus mitigating some of the damage back. Or um, you can use it to consolidate towards your transport that has uh, strategically moved onto an objective behind or adjacent to the unit you charged, and suddenly you've got OPSEC witches on that objective. Um, which could deny your opponent a primary, um, could get you primary points if if that's lucky enough, um, or you could just do the 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 old school hit and run where you charge a unit, you swing in combat, and then you consolidate back into the raider or the venom that you piled out of at the beginning of the turn, um, and that stratagem allows you to do that even if you disembark that turn. So it has quite a few uses, um, and I'm trying to see if it has play having like one red grief raider in your detachment purely for that stratagem to allow some shenanigans with your witches to move around out of sequence. I know Scari playtested a list where he had a mixed attachment where every unit was in there because it allowed him to use some of the different uh, stratagems relating to the different obsessions. Like he had the Reaper, which, um, you know, if he wanted to, it could snipe characters, etc. So uh, I definitely think it's got some play in there. Yeah, definitely. I think there's. Um, yeah, I think we've discussed the re the sniper reaper before, and I think that's that's quite interesting. Having uh, said, I, I've not really experimented with mixed attachments. I'm too attached to my obsessions. Uh, obviously, if you have a mixed attachment, then you don't get the obsession. You still keep the obsession keyword, which allows you to use the stratagem um, and any relics or warlord traits that particular one has access to, but you don't get that obsession. Um, but it could be quite interesting to to see. See what you could come up with with that. Um, there are a few other good good stratagems. Like I really like the um, poison tongue one to redeploy. I think redeploying um, three units is very powerful, and I want to see if I can make use of that with maybe incubi and venoms. Okay, next question is from Circuitum: Make witches great again. This is something which is very close to George and I. Um, and witches always have been great. They are one of my favourite parts of Drakari. I love their fluff. I love the models. I love everything about them. Um, and I was very sort of almost proud to run witches when people weren't really running them much in 8th edition 
when everyone else is running Talos, I was really enjoying running my Witch Bombs. Um, but at the moment, to make them great again, I don't think they're bad. But I think lots of things change in Ninth Edition, which really hampers them on the field. What What would you do, um, George, to make these great again? Um, I think we've touched upon this a little bit in previous episodes. Uh, I think the ability to choose your drug regardless of what other units have got drugs would be a big one. Um, the four plus invol constantly, um, not just in combat is a big one. The, the, the thing that kills witches is things like overwatch and shooting them when they're in combat from things like pistol weapons is really, really dangerous to witches. Once they're in combat, they do what they're supposed to do. Like they, they, they hit reasonably well. Um, they're no, they're no blade guard veteran, but they hit reasonably well, and they they target things. They just tie things up and, and limit your opponent's options, which is what they're great for. Um, but I think those two changes instantly would make witches a lot more viable. Just the four up invol all the time, um, and being able to pick your drug regardless of what other drugs you picked. So being able to give like all your witches plus one strength or all your witches plus two move or whatever um, would make them a lot better in the game. Nate. Underscore the Mansky asks, "What is the best way to play pure cabal?" Um, I think uh, I, mean, I I always get I always stumble with this because Blackheart is so good for keeping your vehicles alive and for the obvious effect and the re rolls with uh, ravages for with the living muse, but I just really 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 like the other ones that I mean they're all like they all have their 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 key unit key uses i really like flayed skull just because of the movement and the re-rolls for for your poison weapons i think you can really make use of it and there's a little stratagem in there for um plus one to hit um, with like ravengers or anyone that uh, against fly so you're, you're hitting uh, repulses, impulses on uh, on a plus one or other Jukari um, that you come across. You're but, not uh, hitting the repulses anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a change, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really, I really like them. Um, but oh, fact, you just you can't leave home without it. That's just one of the things. So I, I'd say um, Blackheart. Blackheart's the way you go. Um, unless you don't want Vect, and then you just do it, do whichever one you want. I know that some people have been using the custom covens at my local, local club when they were doing the um, Crusade. And they've um, they've done it with the, I think it's on sixes on Poison, you get um, an, an extra damage, and then they're just using the six-up Furno Pain one as well. So uh, it's interesting. You can muck around, but I definitely think Blackheart. Toxin Crafters and Soulbound that you just described is actually quite viable. I just think it's you just I think we're, we're repeating ourselves, but the sense that it's similar to Black Heart, but you miss out on Vex, you miss out on Rissa Living Muse, you miss out well you've got the Fin of Pain of Soulbound, but I think missing out on Vex and Rip probably isn't worth the trade. But I still I still think it's viable, it's worth a shot, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Blackheart is the, is the best all-rounder. I think um, you can't really go wrong with that. Um, I do think that um, going pure Flayed Skull would be very interesting and just maxing out on Venoms 
like literally as many venoms as you can fit in with ink with incubi and warriors with blaster and blast pistol in for your anti-tank um because you you're so fast um you've got a bit of melee punch with the incubi you're probably going to take drazar in there as well um possibly the incarn as your third hq to take advantage of the venoms jump jumping around but i i probably wouldn't wouldn't worry too much about that um and just maxing out on venoms you can easily on on a 2000 point list you can easily get 10 10 12 possibly more venoms with that kind of build setup and that's a lot of msu for your opponent to deal with um and if if you if you play shady and you play for like sort of turns three and above um, and just hide them all it's very hard for your opponent to kind of deal with that and you can use your speed to screen out deep strikers and stuff very easily so um i do think that's got some play Okay, final question is from Sam Swinsco, and he says, what are your favourite model kits in the range? I can't remember who answered this, uh, but I can tell you mine very quickly. Now, it used to be the Raider that I really just love, like the Baroque sort of design of it. Um, there's very few models I don't like in the range, but I think the model I like the most is probably just the ability to be a centrepiece and just how well designed it is and the intricacies of it. And it has to be for me, the Void Raven Bomber. What about yourself, Dom? Yeah. Um, I, I just really like the Talos kit, if I'm honest, because you can just use all the Kronos bits for all your conversions with your grotesques for like their weapons. Um, you can, it's, it's just a really good kit. Um, and the the fact it comes with so many options for like a customizable model anyway, um, I think yeah, I just think the Talos kit is a really cool one. Um, other than that, I don't know. It's I feel like we're a little bit limited in our kits. I mean, the Raiders are cool and the Venoms are cool, but um, because they come with the extra models which hang on onto the side, uh, and I just I'd simply just use them as like posable. Um, like extra like like cabalites um yeah no talos they're they're super cool models to like make and you can use all the bits to convert grotesques um i think my well my favorite model is the reaver the reaver jet bike uh my favorite kit is probably the hellion kit like you get a lot of extra bits in the hellion kit like a lot of um little knickknacks and stuff to stick on for conversions they got like some really cool backpack bits to get that can go on the the sort of hip of various models to add little vials or grenades or there's even a foot on a hook that you can add on there um and i do like the hellion model itself i think it's a very dynamic looking model uh, and it, it's got a lot of poses and really cool heads that are really good like you get these um shoulder pads that are normally like for the witch cult units, they normally have their left shoulder pad um, as a pauldron, and the Hellion pauldrons are like separate, so you can use that to easily convert like your own succubi or archons or whatever. So I think for kit and like usability of the kits, I really like the Hellion kits. Um, and uh, but the model is definitely the Reaver. The Reaver jet bike is what got me into Drakari in the first place, so that always that always has my number one spot. I think you're very right. I didn't think about actually what kit I enjoy the most. And I really echo your thoughts on the Hellions, especially the shoulder pads. I think if you look at a lot of my conversions for Lamians, um, 
and Archons, a lot of them will always use the head and shoulder pad. It really helps tie any sort of Elven or Eldari model into the Drakari range. Um, and for a similar aspect, I use the Scourge kit a lot, uh, especially for like the pouches and the poison vials that you get in there. Um, it's a really, really useful kit. And that brings us to the end of that section. Now, thank you very much if you asked a question. Uh, if you didn't, if it was answered, it is because we've run out of time. Um, during the recording, we do answer them all, uh, but we do have to be selective for which ones we cut just to make sure that we fall under our allotted time on our system. If you do have any further questions, we will be doing another um, question and answer session in the future. Uh, but if yours wasn't answered on the podcast, please feel free to message it to us on Facebook or Instagram and we'll be sure to get back to you. So that was episode 12. We've really enjoyed recording this podcast and we hope you've enjoyed listening to it too. It now comes down to the position of us naming the episode. Um, now, I have a really bad pun where originally there's 21 questions and I want to see some awful, say, solid crew pun, but I think that would be lost on anyone that's not in the UK and probably most people from the UK that aren't of a certain generation. So I think we'll eagerly skip that. Dom, do you have any good ideas for the name of the episode, sir? Yeah, I'm going to steal uh, George's one, uh, Coven of the Twelve. There we go. Is that because it's the 12th episode and you like Coven and it'll make a good episode title? Yep, totally nailed it. Well done, <laughs> mate. So, such an original idea. That's <laughs> it. Well, at least we're not like doing random 90s cartoons like Sharky and George anymore. So uh, we'll go with an easy one. We'll go with Coven the 12. So thanks again, everyone, and keep on raiding.